Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight we're talking about the 1983 film about a thruple of fashionable vampires, two lesbians, and David Bowie. <laughs> it's The Hunger. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Ready for that goth wave revival? Hell yeah! Uh, next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist, and certified bisexual vampire aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Trying to make the goth revival happen. <laughs> I've been here for my entire life, so, you know, if anyone Don't wants to call it a comeback, huh? I could jam to Bella Lugosi is dead all day. <laughs> Me too. And, and I our do, special actually. guest tonight... A good friend of mine, a member of the Talking Comics family, and the sometime host of Ladies of Valhalla, Sarah Miles. How are you tonight, Sarah? I am good, but this movie gave me some weird feelings. <laughs> yeah, this movie, I think, will do that. It's a, it's a weird one. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to talk about. So, I mean, a little bit about it before we, we jump into it all the way. Uh, it is directed by Tony Scott, uh, who is the brother of Ridley Scott. Uh, Tony actually died in 2012. Um, he this is the first feature film he made, which like I think really shows in some interesting ways. He'd only really done short films and music videos before this, uh, which I think is why this movie is such a vibe rather than a story. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, he would all I can figure is he made this and figured it was too gay, so he immediately turned around and made Top Gun, a totally not gay movie. <laughs> um, he's also made uh true romance as well as a number of like action suspense thrillers he's done a whole lot of stuff on there uh the writers on this are james uh, costigan and michael thomas and it, it is based on the book by whitley streber who is a very interesting person uh he also wrote wolfen and communion which is communion is a supposedly non-fiction account of interaction with extraterrestrials and has like this big, has this, this big like following of people who are like convinced that aliens are real and among us. And um, he's become kind of like a cult figure in, in that way. So it's, uh, he's super fascinating. Um, like you could do a whole podcast just about him. Um, but in fact, a lot of people have. Yeah, um so sure. if you if you listen to any like french or just any sort of podcast that covers weird shit you will probably have heard of whitley streber um he uh he appears at UFO, ufo conventions and uh has a lot of things to say um although he's usually a really like generally sweet guy from what i could tell like in, in public anyway um wolfen and communion are also movies yeah, I, I haven't seen either of them, but I'm sure they're wild. I've seen Communion, <laughs> and I think I've seen Wolfen like a million years ago, but Communion is, well, I'll talk about Communion later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as, as for the people who are actually in this film, uh, we have Catherine Deneuve in the lead, oddly enough, uh, and David Bowie, uh, and Susan Sarandon, and 
I guess the next person that I would list as being in this movie after those three is Bauhaus, uh, who do a pretty significant like musical number at the beginning of this movie. Well, if Peter Murphy is there, I didn't see any other member of Bauhaus unless those monkeys count. You can't forget the most important actor in the whole movie, super young Willem Dafoe yes. as one of the street toughs like, who talks to Susan Sarandon at the phone booth. What? Phone booth yeah. used to. Yeah. yeah, well, one of those guys is Willem Dafoe. What the fuck? I didn't even notice. <laughs> I was too busy How making How great notes. is that? Shit. Anyway. Yeah, this, this movie is full of wasted talent. Um, <laughs> it was... <laughs> It is his, let's see, he had an uncredited role in Heaven's Gate. He was in The Loveless. uh, And then he was in this as Youth in Phone Booth. Well, I guess unlike Lance Henriksen and William Hurt, he didn't come out of the womb looking like that because otherwise I would have immediately recognized him. So, no, I absolutely had to rewind and go like, holy shit. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I, I guess we should also know that there is also a, tv series called the hunger that is based roughly on this i haven't seen it but it seems to be more of like a tales from the crypt type of like short stories revolving around vampires it is also at least partially hosted by david bowie um so it's a a weird thing that exists i I hope he spends i hope he spends more time as david bowie instead of the 10 minutes we got before he was covered in old man makeup in this movie <laughs> yeah i think he he's just david bowie hosting it like twilight zone or whatever although it seems from what i could tell and i don't know i can't remember if i ever seen an episode of this because it was on showtime so I, i'm pretty sure it was some sort of like red shoe diaries skinamax you know uh soft core erotic um prequel to true blood <laughs> so but that's that's I mean, just me from reading the articles about it. If I <laughs> having put, seen Cinemax in that era, but yeah, if I could put my criticisms of this movie into just one main thing, I I really feel like this movie just kind of wastes Bowie. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like he got like two scenes where he didn't really do much, and then it's just like super old man flailing. Also, I don't know if aging is different works, but Hollywood doesn't know how to make people look old like we saw almost 70 year old david bowie he didn't look like any of the old man looks they gave him yeah yeah they like basically did the gary oldman dracula makeup on him it's Um, everything hollywood i don't know if people just age differently but like hollywood just makes people look so much weirder and grosser than they need to be when trying to make them look old like you go back and you look at like uh, like Deep Space Nine, when they're like, here's old man Alexander Siddig as young Bashir. Look how weird and old he is. And it's like, we've got middle-aged Alexander Siddig now. He's a snack. I know. He's a straight up Dilf. <laughs> <laughs> so I I wanted to read the, uh, <laughs> we keep doing the IMDb uh, discussions of what these movies are about. This one is wildly wrong. Not as <laughs> bad as Hard Candy. But um, uh, maybe even more inaccurate. Uh, what it's about is a love triangle develops between a beautiful yet dangerous vampire, her cellist companion, and a gerontologist. Does it though? Does it? It, it really wasn't. Like I would have loved for this to have been a stri- like and a dangerous, sexy, erotic vampire horror thriller starring three incredibly beautiful people. 
Yeah, if they, this is the most deconstructed triangle I've ever seen, much like this film. Yeah, it's it's at no point does it feel like a like any sort of triangle. It's it's just like one side of it's like a line, and then it's another line. It's really just the story of the world's oldest serial monogamist. <laughs> Yeah, and and as for scary level, uh, guys, would you say this is spoopy as a not scary, spooky as a little scary, terrifying as in very scary, or existentially disconcerting? I think it's spooky, just in like because of the vibe. Um, I think the only existentially, really existentially disconcerting. Th- well, there's a couple things, you know, the the um, the lack of consent of vampire becoming. Um, and then the uh, waiting for healthcare for so long that you have just age 80 years in a second. Um, I think both things are um, terrifying ideas. Um, whether they are really handled by this movie, um, other than like weird editing and strobe lights, that's uh, up for the forum. Yeah, Sarah, I know you're not particularly into uh, scary movies. How did, how did this one feel to you? Um, I, I would say it was spoopy as in not scary. It wasn't a scary movie. However, if anyone is planning on watching it, um, don't watch it in a public place such as the gym, because that would be a mistake when people can see your screen when they walk past you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's not a, kind of a power move. Like, <laughs> I, I, I first watched The Man Who Fell to Earth in a bar and it was silent. And every time I looked at that little screen, some bananas shit was happening. And there's a scene in that movie at the very end where David Bowie gets naked and starts shooting a gun and like has crazy sex with a woman. And I looked over and I was like, this movie's awesome. And then I look (laughs) over again and there's like some weird cheese train. And I'm (laughs) like... I don't know. I think a movie with a lot of nipples in it is a really good gym power move. So uh, yeah, I just it was just the old man on the treadmill next to mine. Like we've got <laughs> the plastic screens up now because of COVID. But yeah. I just he just kept looking over, and I'm like, every time you look, there are nipples. <laughs> this just looks like I'm watching porn. I don't know. With the kind of lighting and 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 like setup of that film, it's like definitely softcore like most of the nipples are either like super close up with like shadow or like we're seeing everything through tool like yes <laughs> yeah so many yeah. fire hazards. and tony scott big fan of boobs uh not yeah. really not really much like else as far as like things to to warn off about this but like every time there's a sex scene it's like boobs 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 yeah um which we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss as we get into this. I mean, I've never seen a sex scene where people spend so much time perpendicular to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I was like, do, do bisexuals just stop at the belly button? Like, is there, ever, did I miss the memo here? Is there nothing else going on? It's so weird. Yeah, Jenny, yeah. I think you on Twitter where it's just like, they're just on a bed naked and vibing. <laughs> Yeah, they're just like <laughs> throbbing, just like like next moving to around. each other nearby. So it's, it's like that scene in Dracula or Bram Stoker's Dracula, where like all of the chicks are around Keanu Reeves, and then the mirror shows Keanu Reeves and nobody. But in in this case, it's like there's a Keanu Reeves amount of space between 
um, Susan Sarandon and Catherine Deneuve. So uh, yeah, it's sort of like the reverse of that. I don't know. So this, say, it's like the it's like the uh, mental sex scene in Blood and Donuts, except for they're close to each other. Right. They're just having like... They're not actually physically contacting each other for the most point. There's so much what? weird haze code shit in this movie. Like I was... <laughs> Like just looking at some of the behind the scenes where the studio wanted the sex scene to be because Catherine Deneuve like drugged Susan Sarandon's character. So it's a whole like, oh, our protagonist wouldn't be voluntarily queer. <laughs> and Susan Sarandon's response was like, no, no one needs to be, nobody needs any extra incentive to sleep with Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Susan. So on that, that note of uh, drugging, um let's look at the trigger warnings here i mean there is assault there's some sad animal death uh mm. as, as emily mentioned there's a lot of just sitting in a hospital lobby until you age 80 years um, yeah, if you got to think about just super old people <laughs> yeah there's this clear strobe lights there's some addiction there's some serious consent issues on the the vampire side in this movie mm. oh um, huge consent issues <laughs> yeah Help, uh, but... I got catfished into being immortal. <laughs> yeah. Into being sort of immortal. Yeah. That's the real thing. Catherine Deneuve's character leaves out a lot of the sort ofs in this movie. <laughs> There's a lot of fine print that isn't even in the contract. She's just flat out lying. Yeah. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Except no. Except yeah, I had my t- fingers crossed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, my first thought was like, okay, Bowie, you're dying. You're not getting as much time as you thought. But hey, you got however many years. Honestly, the Wikipedia page has so much more information that I assume must come from the book. Because I'm reading the Wikipedia page and it's like, that's this character's backstory? Like, apparently he's a cellist from the 1800s. I'm like, cool, movie didn't. I guess we get a flashback where he has a ponytail and that's supposed to tell us everything about his backstory. Yeah, well, it's... Yeah, I don't we'll, know. we'll we'll talk about the yeah the brief bit we get uh, in the recap here, um, but yeah, I mean that's all of the non-spoiler stuff. There's not a lot to spoil in this movie, so I mean, we're going to jump in and, and talk about it. Um, but before we get into what actually happens in this movie, I do want to note that the credits of this movie really give you a lot of uh, indication of what's about to happen because one of the credits of note to me was makeup illusions by so and so it's not it's not makeup it's not prosthetics it's Literally. makeup illusions yeah they're not tricks Literally dad right notes, i'm like what a makeup are illusions? illusions or illusions though that's like i, I mean that sounds spelling. like the kind of title chris angel would have in his rock contract writer now he's old illusion <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to imagine a casting director watched this and then three years later they're working on like on Labyrinth and they're like, what if we got Bowie and just let him actually be sexy the whole time? Yeah, I was watching it going, who watched this and then said, let's put Bowie in a kid's film. There's an idea. Well, like, <laughs> it, originally it was going to be Michael Jackson. So I think that that was a very. Oh, oh yeah, no, Bowie's yeah. fine. Bowie's good. Yeah, Bowie's Bowie. good. Dodged. Oh yeah, that was like a fucking Matrix, like <laughs> Neo Ooh. Dodge right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Emily, tell us about the introduction in this movie. Okay, so this describe movie, this for us. Despite what we have to say about how can has the best intro of a movie that I've ever seen, which is basically Bauhaus playing in a club 
while David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve in the best fashion ever hunt goth kids and um, Peter Murphy is too powerful to exist in the wild so he has to perform from a cage um that checks out yeah and he they're singing bella lugosi's dead because of course they are um and the film credits bauhaus but all we really see is peter murphy but we do see a lot of peter, peter murphy and it is fucking fantastic um yeah this this whole scene is aesthetically pleasing logically confusing i don't know what's going on because like but it's they're... so 80s though <laughs> yeah they're oh, the shooting it like right on the other side of this cage that he's in it is unclear where he is at other than in a cage just starting the movie <laughs> the same off. scene as everybody else we don't know just starting this whole movie off mad bonkers <laughs> yeah well he's in a cage and then the dancers are through the cage i guess we're seeing through his eyes maybe we're seeing this whole film through his eyes i don't know uh, that might be interesting and that might <laughs> explain a few things um it feels and, like this whole uh, thing is a Bauhaus music video that just got out of control. It just yeah. never, never stopped after the song was over. Although they, they, the song ends prematurely, which is unfortunate because I think John and Miriam, which is David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve respectively, um, take some of these goth, post-punks, whatever, to a second location question mark. Oh, never go to a second location. Yeah, but you know. Unclear where they are. What? One group seems to be in like a sexy club living room and the other one seems to be in a catering kitchen. I'm like, never yeah. terribly sure where anyone is, but I know it's very blue tinged. I, yeah, well, this movie is all cool towns, except for maybe like, the, well, there's the blood, which still is somewhat cool. I mean, it's pretty cool. But um, <clears throat> the other still thing had is- I a lot of questions about the sherry that turned into orange goo. Or orange blood? Magic yeah. Sherry. Yeah. At one point, Susan's trying to like spill sherry on herself and then like paint gets on her clothes. Uh, maybe that was, oh, you know, you guys probably were watching the actual like 4K version. I have an old DVD that has a um, FBI warning that has not been digitally remastered. Ooh, that's <laughs> the right way to watch this movie. Yes. The movie itself is slightly better, but the FBI warning still has VHS bleed. And I'm like, Y'all, it's a D, it's a D, digital, it's in the name, digital video disc. Anyway, speaking of digital video discs, they don't exist here in this world in the 80s. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure where they were, that this, that John and Miriam took this couple was the set from Manhunter, um, <laughs> where, uh, because they're dancing in front of a projector or something, and the music stopped. And except for like a couple quotes where, or a couple bits where they have like Peter Murphy being like undead. Every time they show one of them being like, guess what? They're undead. So, you know, just so it's clear. Um, yeah. So Sarah, what was your favorite part of this? The the vampires uh, killing goth kids in unknown locations or was it the monkeys uh, eating other monkeys? Oh, yeah, I mean, that I'm was so disturbing for, for monkeys eating other monkeys. What was that? <laughs> that was so I'm disturbing. Just, I'm just, I'm sitting here and it's the 80s and everyone's got kind of cool hair and then like the girl like popped a collar and then there's titties and I'm like, woo! And then monkeys. I <laughs> when, mean, Jeremy, when you told me it's a bisexual David Bowie vampire movie. Which is I how did, he told it to me. 
Yeah. I did not expect how much of this movie would be Susan Sarandon torturing monkeys. Also, yeah. just, I just have to ask, what is up with the smoking? Like, <laughs> everyone is smoking constantly. Well, that's, just that's, that's, just that's just the 80s. That's just America. That's just America in the 80s. She's standing yeah. in front of the monkeys, sparking up a cigarette. I'm like, that can't be good for the monkeys' health. I know they're murdering each other, but that's not the point. <laughs> Everyone's well, smoking all the time. Why they... What, I wanted to be in the room with the sound editor who was hearing the monkey, like whatever sounds the monkey was making going like, all right, this isn't a good enough monkey sound. Someone get me the jaguar roar. <laughs> yeah. Those monkey jaguar roars. <laughs> and we're just going to intercut that with weird goth sex. Yeah, because like, okay. Ed, I mean, obviously there was some, some uh, music video production experience in this whole crew because the editing is wild <laughs> and we have foregone the Bauhaus for like weird droning which you know generally I'm down with but it, <laughs> um, if I know anything about Emily it's down for weird droning droning synths are the two most beautiful words in the English language people say it's cellar door those are hipsters <laughs> I'm saying I'm droning synths or the, anyway um so okay i guess and that's the other thing is that the monkeys are sort of like spliced in with peter murphy so i'm like are they members of the band or um and maybe the bauhaus is opening for the monkeys um and all the killer sure... monkeys there's bauhaus performing and there's also this like sex which quickly turns into uh uh knife related violence um i'm imagining which, like, the monkeys the band and what a fucking concert that is. Bathhouse opening for the monkeys. Yeah. I don't know who that show is for, but fucking good for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, Michael Nesmith went in some directions. Bathhouse so. and the monkeys guest starring David Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. Like David Bowie in the audience. Like I can imagine Peter Murphy being like, uh, like when he knew that he may be in the same proximity as David Bowie. Um though i think they probably toured or i don't know i don't know they all know each other um I, I don't know actually uh but yeah so um the 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 murder happens they use like little onk necklaces that have knives in them which um i i was not preparing myself to make this connection but my partner turns to me and says that's the weapon used by one of the pirate kings in one piece and he owns the shit out of Roanora Zolo or whatever with a tiny onk knife. And he showed me a picture and this dude is a vampire and he has an onk knife. And I'm like, all right, Ichido Oda. Hunger. Yeah. You got it from the hunger. Like, I mean, I'm sure this people in Japan love this. this I do have to ask, is the knife in one piece also half an inch big? Yes. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yes. And he owns Roanora Zolo with that. Yeah, it is uh, unclear anyway. to me why people uh, when stabbed with this tiny knife are like, oh no, I die. This like, is the kind of knife where in prison shows like someone stabbed like eight times with it and then it's like, and now they're at the infirmary, still mostly fine. I think there's some weird vampire business going on. Well, I think they also drink the blood. I don't know. I think it it's a... seems to be that they can only drink blood if they kill with the knife. I don't know. They, this movie doesn't really bother explaining rules. Yeah. They're fine in daylight. <laughs> this movie That's could the... give two fucks about vampire lore. Like, <laughs> really? Sure could. The word oh. vampire it does not appear in this film. The word undead does in the song, and they, they cut 
very quickly to David Bowie and Catherine, Catherine Divinov because, you know, they're like, they are undead. You know, you know what that means. Um, yeah. Uh, it means nipples. That's what it means in this movie. <laughs> I guess. So many nipples. So, yeah. So there's nipples. So many nipples, so little time. Yeah. Yeah. That old rule there's, of screenwriting. There's more nipples in this movie than there is David Bowie, I'm pretty sure. Like, <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Accurate. Which... Like if it if some of those nipples were David Bowie's nipples, like if like a good chunk of those nipples were David Bowie nipples, I'd be down. We do see David Bowie's butt. That was cool. That was when they said, "Oh, he's aging fast." I thought it's like, okay, you're gonna give him like a few makeup wrinkles and dye his hair like Anderson Cooper White, and it's like, and he's still gonna be David Bowie. No, it's like within minutes, minutes he is completely unrecognizable and from then on the most interesting thing he does in the movie is fall down stink. <laughs> yeah like his skin is literally melting but um yeah so once they uh once they kill these two goths then they take them to the public incinerator you know like remember Where the is this incinerator maybe in the basement of their building i who is it's, the contractor the basement, that put this that in? wasn't that wasn't the bit about this that annoyed me. It's the casual way that Bowie just like slings the bags in. Have you ever tried moving a person like when they're not that <laughs> Not I a dead person. I, <laughs> I, I feel about like it. I'm learning something about you here, Sarah. Um, <laughs> you ever I, attempted to move a dead body? Let's go with an unconscious person, okay? Sure, People sure. are heavy. Uh-huh. Like he's just he's just slinging the body bags around like there's nothing in there. Well, I think I, they're vampire the like their whole vampire thing they can they can they're like turbo strong. I don't know. I think where I run into suspension of disbelief is that I don't know where this crematorium is supposed to be in relation to their nice swanky upscale like looks like upper east or upper west side like nice New York apartment like I don't know where the public crematorium is for that. If they had been living in Queens, I would have zero questions. <laughs> I mean, this thing is like a kiln. Like there's a big old arch. Like it's like a fucking Did it come with oven. a building? Is it like, yeah, we know we got washer dryer combo, uh, garbage is on Tuesday, and we got the uh, crematorium. Did we crematorium. ever see the outside of their house, their whatever some... fancy mansion they live in? Because I feel like it's all interior. There's some quick edits of it during sex scenes. I feel like we, we don't really get a shot. Like there's a scene of the little kid outside the door, but it feels like it's shot specifically to show us as little of the house as possible. Yeah, you see a lot of people outside the door. You don't really see the facade, but there are a couple cuts of the of the like full facade of the house during sex scenes. I barely miss them, but Brett saw them and was like, hey, they showed the house. And I was like, what? Oh, I was busy typing up the... It's weird notes. <laughs> not to do that because honestly, how much could it cost to just get a little bit of B-roll footage of some new York, random New York Browns? I mean, because it would have to have the chimney. You'd have to <laughs> yeah, get that chimney. Oh, that's right. You guys got a crematorium chimney. <laughs> and oh maybe a place for a pool? And those things are big. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is a pool. I don't know. Is there a pool? Or is the pool at the restaurant? Or is it both? It's a little confusing. Is the house also the restaurant? and where's the arboretum guys in what the house? is space because there is an arboretum in the house yeah, they live know. in a tardis that's all yes. i can figure yeah so anyway, this makes sense it's a vampire tardis yeah so um so they throw the bodies in the incinerator for the you know that public incinerator that we all remember from the 80s and then they have a sexy shower 
Uh, we see Catherine Deneuve's nipples for the second time, five minutes into this movie. Uh, we do also see uh, David Bowie's butt. Um, you know, as compared to uh, whoever the girl was in the first scene with the goth kids who had no lines but breasts on the movie. Um, she was fucking oh. fashionable. <laughs> She was she an was, inspiration. I fucking loved her. Very Look, quiet inspiration. This yes. movie hasn't met a person it Look. couldn't turn into an object. I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm getting, I'm taking all I can get with this film. I mean, I will say every single 80s as fuck outfit Susan Sarandon is sporting in this movie. Mm. Iconic. Mm. F- fire emojis for days everybody's glasses in this film everybody even charlie charlie's weird like neon clear glasses rims were so fucking ahead of their time that dude even though he was a background character and a lot less like high fashion than everybody else he was fucking on point like i don't I would was Charlie one of the scientists? Yes. Okay, yes, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> he was the black scientist. Yes. That's because um, I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to think. I'm like, well, there was that one guy, and all I remember about him was his great glasses. Yeah, that's his like neon green hyper hyper color, like light reactive glasses frames. Um those... I I wish we could have Braun and went back just to talk about the scene in the lab where they're analyzing Susan Sarandon's blood. <laughs> <laughs> It's like there are two strains of blood and they're fighting. <laughs> this blood's stronger. I it's wonder what powerful blood. And they instantly know what they are. Genius. Is this a they hospital or like just a lab? I, w- I don't know, but I wish, gotten, like, the, I wish we could have gotten like, I wish we could have gotten a super zoom in of a red blood cell just like literally just bumping against like a vampire red blood cell and they're duking it out. I think that's yeah. what they tried to do with the weird like posterized effects rock and sock and blood cells what's that movie? Yeah. like ozzy and smith is that the one where chris rock is the white blood cell like can we get osmosis that? jones yes osmosis jones can we get osmosis jones where he's fighting vampire blood cells um TM. See, I, what what really weirds me out about this is you were asking whether it's a lab or a hospital and it appears to be a lab where they do tests on animals that has a waiting room for humans for i'm unclear what purpose like those two things should not be happening in the they same facility, right? Be yeah. working at the stop aging clinic. And most of their experiments are how can we make aging go super, super fast and monkey? Yeah. And like, it's funny. Well, we'll get there, but. Um, They're just also- watching this monkey. It's like, it's aging five years every minute. What the fuck does that mean? I'm going to assume they work for Sharon Stone's company from Catwoman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, gonna assume Shrek. they work for reference. That's a Halle assume... Berry Catwoman reference. Oh, that's guys. a different. That's I'm gonna different. assume they work for Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct. <laughs> I think they're in the same lab from uh, Altered States, honestly. Where you got and those monkeys used to be like dudes that just tripped acid so hard <laughs> that they became monkeys. Spoilers. One of these monkeys eventually becomes the giant that like Dwayne Johnson has to be friend in the Rampage movie. Oh my god. <laughs> So, so um, okay, so burning bodies, sexy shower. What did you guys think of David Bowie's cover of Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license? <laughs> it's very short, but very like I don't know. I mean, future. Was Holy shit! Time. Was I not expecting that? <laughs> that would have been so. Oh my god, oh, David Bowie covering Olivia Rodrigo. That would have been. This movie should have been a musical, and by musical, oh, I just that would have ruled. <laughs> Yeah, if it was just all like weird post punk shit, 
Yeah. Like if this movie had been like a goth core, like just a goth rock like musical, at least all of the weirdness would have made sense and vibed, right? Yeah, it would have been like the wall, but like even more weird. Or like, maybe slightly the more nipples. Yeah, the wall with nipples. I would have liked that. I probably would have really liked the version of this movie well, that I feel like there are the a lot IMDb. of nipples in the wall already. Yeah, not as many, not as much. Doesn't somebody get their nipple cut off in the wall? No, he just shaves them, but he does cut them. Maybe he does mm. cut off his nipples. It's been a while. <laughs> the wall really sounds like it should be the name of a horror movie. I mean, it would be like a current horror movie that's existentially disconcerting, or a movie in um the well, an eighties movie about Berlin. This movie, like, again, I, I think I would have really liked the, like, thriller love triangle with vampires that, like, the IMDb page describes. Like, again, yeah. if, like, I when I read that, I'm like, okay, cool. So, like, it's going to be, like, it's going to be Catherine Deneuve, like, abandoning David Bowie, going after Susan Sarandon. Then Bowie's the jealous ex-lover, like, sabotaging and trying to seduce Sarandon out of revenge. And I was like, yeah, fucking... All these gorgeous people give me this erotic vampire love triangle thriller. I feel like it's the movie just... we were promised. And I feel like yes. if Tony Scott had directed this movie 20 years later, that's what it would be. Yeah. But in this case, so what I was referencing with the driver's license thing is they have this whole shot, but this whole bit between Bowie and, and Deneuve where he's like, forever and she's like forever and they're like forever we're gonna live together forever and, and then suddenly he's aging and and he's like you said forever but it's not forever and it's he said, all and she's so like unclear. oh my bad this has maybe <laughs> happened before yeah like this is this is really like maybe I, I feel like they have talked about this but it's just sort of like something that they don't talk about because you know they're in a toxic relationship but um i mean the, they they do sleep in like silk pajamas which i'm like that's not i mean i don't know i'm not very those aren't very sexy pajamas those are like grandpa pajamas and then david and apparently they're sleeping in a music room in versailles and then in a barn and i'm thinking it's flashbacks uh this movie it's relationship to reality is tenuous at best yeah yes. And when I'm saying flashbacks, I'm thinking more flash than back because it's, yeah, it, it's yes, really we're not talking about not great relationship to curtains. It loves them. Loves we are not curtains. talking about flashback scenes. We are talking about flashes. Yes. Um, so, you know, I have I have some good news, though. If if you're like a person that likes pensive shots of people smoking to avant garde synth droning with a lot of billowing curtains. If you're one of those people, well, this is the film for you. If you're not, oh, I'm very sorry. If you want curtain action, fucking you hit the mother load. Yeah. I just, I just get looking at the curtains and I'm like, you're going to set one on fire? It's, it's, there's going to be holes with the cigarette. And um, it Appar really upset right? me. Apparently, Catherine Deneuve's like, character goes all the way back to ancient Egypt, which is where the arc knives come from. There were billowing curtains. Yeah, there are building curtains, curtains. Which really just makes me want to see the prequel origin movie <clears throat> of Catherine Deneuve as the Frenchest ancient Egyptian ever. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess all the ancient Egyptians were like... So French. Oh, okay. France doesn't exist yet, but... No! <laughs> <laughs> She's like, but hello. 
The power of her Frenchness transcends time uh, and space. Cleopatra, bonjour. Bonjour, Cleopatra. Can I borrow hey. your hat? Le Faro. Can I have sex with your brother? <laughs> and you, all at yeah, once. Yeah, she would have sex with Cleopatra. Yeah, but she would yeah. probably, maybe she'd build herself up. I don't know. Maybe she was already, she already like came in on the scene and she's like, I don't know. I Cleopatra am Captain like, uh, I don't know what to say. Cleopatra had had to kill so many brother husbands by then. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like the real misstep in that is that uh, she asked, <laughs> she asked Cleopatra, "Can I have sex with you?" Um, this movie is just well. She spills so... some beer on Cleopatra's tunic, but then it's blood, <laughs> and then Cleopatra's like, "Oh no, I gotta take off my shirt every Susan time." Just just or... Dab it suggestively with water yeah. first. <laughs> By far, my I feel like there was a weird jump there where like. She spilled the stuff, and then suddenly, like Susan Sarandon's top was half covered in water, and and she was all nipples. I was like, "Yeah, what? Yeah. Ha- what? My <laughs> Some kind of vampire scenes. wetness." My spell. favorite scenes in this movie are Susan Sarandon's gay panic moments. I loved them. I don't even know why I'm here. Cause you're gay, girl. Yeah. Uh, this, 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 those moments where, like, did you talk to me? Like, there's so many. Oh no, she's hot moments. It's so funny. Where she's like, oh, uh, hi. <laughs> like, it's it's actually kind of cute. There's um, a scene after, like, where she's having dinner with her boyfriend. Who's just like, you were gone for three and a half hours. I was like, damn, queer vampire sex is good. We're gonna have it. Good on, good on you, Catherine Deneuve. I mean, yeah. Come yeah, on. So we, that is a this quality is where afternoon. kind of enters the story. She's uh, her character's name is Sarah. She is a doctor studying aging, primarily in monkeys. They're doing something genetically or virus-wise to monkeys to make them age very fast, which is also causing them to eat each other for some reason. It is unclear what exactly they're doing to them but she's doing an interview on the tv where they often interview scientists that study aging all the time to talk about how she's trying to like make it so people can live longer to the point of maybe forever and of course our our bowie character who is suddenly rapidly starting aging sees this and is like aha that's convenient i'm gonna go figure out what that's all about for hundreds of years and maybe now i'll just try science Everything Susan Sarandon in her lab works on seems like something that um, the Umbrella Corporation would invest an irresponsible amount of money into developing in Resident Evil. But nobody with a half a million dollars to give away is stupid. No, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> true. Look, we tried to make aging slower and now we have rabies infested super monkeys. How could this have happened? Wasn't this in 28 Days Later, too? Yeah, I was getting strong 28 yep. Days Later vibes from, yeah. from the monkeys at the start. And But nothing she talks about in the interview appears to be related to what she's doing with the monkeys. She's talking about sleep studies and this really old lady, and then there are monkeys. And yeah, the maybe monkeys the monkeys don't sleep. come back. There's not a thing where the monkeys are plot important. They're just They're- like important in her study as a reason to get David Bowie to her clinic. We they're not even there as like recurring imagery. It's like, oh, the monkey represents I mean, I mean, I mean after like the first act they mostly disappear. Oh, like after yeah, the first yeah. half of the movie, I mean. Well, the first yeah, the first half of the movie where David Bowie's aging and then the monkeys are aging and then there's like a lot of intersplicing editing of like David Bowie and the monkeys and 
once so, Susan Sarandon realizes she's gay, like the monkeys just disappear. Yeah. And the other thing is that there's they they're pissed off at one of the monkeys for eating the other one. And I'm like, and they never really explained why one of the monkeys eats the other one. The implication is just goth vampire sex is so evil. It's making an unconnected monkey across town evil. Yeah. I mean, it, the vampire sex also makes Susan Sarandon like, I don't know, more aware of her environment or like have like moments. I don't know. I mean, I guess it, I, goth vampire sex is powerful, especially when David Bowie's involved. So I'm sure that Look, there are like ramifications. You find who hasn't been in a situation where we're flirting with a vampire, we're accosted by young Willem Dafoe. It's a very confusing time. Yeah. I mean, you remember the 80s when Willem Dafoe would like come up while you're on the phone and be like, hey, there's a reason uh, they called him youth in phone booth. Because <laughs> he was the youth of the phone booth. Like he would just come up and be like, hey, yeah, I'm going to harass you. have to go all the way to the lighthouse for him to harass you. So yeah. <laughs> very inconvenient. Uh, uh, yeah, we also meet uh, Sarah works with uh, Charlie, the man with nice glasses, um, and her boyfriend, not husband, lover. Tom, a character as exciting as his name. He's like negative exciting. Tom sucks. And it, yeah. like from the, the fucking get go where he's like, Big Max, you're like, oh, Ooh. and she's and he like gives her a kiss and she's like, Just fuck off. <laughs> so much that. Yeah. It's, I was I was really confused. Is Tom the half naked guy in the bathroom in the hospital later or is that somebody else? Is he that generic and bland corporate 80s that I've mistaken him for someone he's else? So bland. I don't know. He's he's blander than the guy that are we talking about the guy in the elevator that uh Catherine Deneuve is like eating later or No, when when Bowie is old and in the hospital bathroom and there's a half naked guy next to him and Bowie's kind of like twiddling with the necklace. Oh yeah. And then the half naked guy's giving him side eye and I'm like, are we cruising here? What's happening? Was that I feel like it it might have been Tom. I was hoping for a way more sensual scene when Bowie is approaching like the solitary tank top wearing like (laughs) roller skater (laughs) under the bridge. The fucking remember when you when we all would like in the 80s when we all were roller skating under a bridge to fucking new wave music alone that alone so much sexier than it was. Oh, my God. Um, Okay, so but we're we're getting ahead of ourselves because. We also have to discuss Alice. Do we? Like, why she's, is Alice? She's part of it. Is she? I just, the, I was so confused by Alice. The Wikipedia. I because of the. Oh, no, sorry. The, the, the heavy French accent. I was like, is it Alice or Alex? And I'm just confused by the It was teenager. Alice because of the, um, the subtitles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I worked out oh, later oh, when, yeah. they, when the police would call her Alice something. But like when when they appeared and then kind of went in the house, I was like, the kid. Like every note I've written just calls, calls them the kid. It was <laughs> so confusing. Happening. I thought like David Bowie. I thought she was David Bowie's daughter. Because she's mentioning like, like mother, like divorced moms like i thought she was david bowie's daughter and david bowie like had been turned like a few years ago and had a no like a human life and it's like oh here's my human kid who's still around from 
my human wife, and then I got vampired up. And said they're just using across the teachers. What's fucked yeah. up is again the Wikipedia article, and I guess it must be getting this from the book because I got none of this from the movie itself. And thank God, uh, it says that Catherine DeVoe is Den Den I, I can't pronounce her name. I'm I'm sorry. Denoive. 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 Denoive of that Catherine. Uh, Miriam is grooming Alice to be her replacement for John, which I'm just John like, certainly seems to think that. Yeah, there's be a there's some because like as far as I can tell, their relationship is that whoever Alice's parents are, they're cool with her going over to this creepy goth mansion to hang out with this married couple and just play music. Um, Look, when it's Marty McFly going over to a weird scientist's house, it's adorable. But when Alice does it, it's creepy. Double well, standard. It's, Marty McFly doesn't show up and kiss fucking Doc Brown on a mouth. You don't know that. On camera. <laughs> um, but Alice goes up to Catherine Deneuve and like kisses her on the mouth. And I'm like, I know she's French, but like... <laughs> Honestly, I think that's why she's that's also a teenager. I think that's why that's we'll say later she's European. I, I think that's my favorite moment of the <laughs> whole movie. European. Well, I honestly think that's why that moment didn't really register for me. It's just because it happened and my brain's so like, oh, she's French. It's like moving on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like so and also this kid is like chewing gum. Like she might as well be fucking punky Brewster. And she's like, hey, hey. Hey, hey, Miriam, uh, say salami. She's, I got a it, Polaroid. So obnoxious. If this was a sitcom, she'd be like yeah. the plucky neighbor character who's always there. Like, hey, she's Mr. like the Kramer. <laughs> hey, Mr. John, how you doing? It'd be like, it'd be like if what we do in the shadows, they had Kimmy Gibbler next door. Like, it's just yeah. that yeah. kind of energy. Oh my God. Fucking Yeah um yeah and then uh david bowie is um distracted they're like doing a a uh um a trio and david bowie is on one of the um the most trebly cellos i've ever heard and uh alice is on the violin and miriam is on the piano and um david bowie's like uh and alice is like hey what's wrong with them and <laughs> Miriam's like, I hasn't been sleeping, and she's like, okay, you could have some quaaludes that I stole from my stepmother, who's afraid of aging. Are you, aren't you cool? Do you heard that story? Um, that's the most you'll know about me. And then <laughs> Miriam's like, poor woman. And uh, and then like, you know, and the movie's about addiction, guys. I guess. I mean, it's I, called The Hunger. So I guess I mean, that's supposed to be the theme until you get to the studio mandated reshoot ending. That just throws those themes entirely out the window. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. Like, we'll get there. We'll get there, y'all. <laughs> yeah, so Bowie's, Bowie's aging rapidly. Miriam, for some reason, goes to buy Susan Sarandon's book and they have like a moment. Um, even though Bowie seems to be the one that's interested in the stuff. she Miriam goes for whatever reason. Um, and then goes to the hospital, uh, which... Emily, I think you wanted to talk about this foyer at the hospital. The yeah, you remember in the 80s when buildings had like just hugely cathedral spacious foyers with the fucking streetlights on the reception desk? 
and everything was made out of marble and it was like a bank but a hospital um like cool okay i'm just glad that (laughs) someone else remembers that because like that was in the that was like the 30s it was like art deco um i don't remember hospitals having that but like i also you know like the last time i saw that in a film it was like the hudsucker proxy which i think was like literally the 30s or 40s um anyway but um yeah miriam is not impressed with with well well she's not impressed with charlie smoking and not promising everlasting life even though she should be impressed by his glasses frames and we are reintroduced to whatever the fuck is clicking in this lab all the clicking yeah like what is do they have crickets or is that the the dying monkeys are there computers just like really loud but it, it happens in different rooms in the lab as well because when they're yeah. like watching the monkey in the weird cage thing there's the clicking and then when charlie's in his thing with cigarettes there's the clicking i, I, assumed, I assumed it was like an editing choice the guy with or, the boom mic just like get, a, had a pen he just wouldn't stop clicking on set <laughs> just click, 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 click. like you're yeah, holding and the mic it's really picking close. up all- it's picking up all these like i'm gonna keep clicking it's in my union contract (laughs) (laughs) it was like a writer for that crew like you can film this movie here with us but it's got to be in the soundtrack a tap dancing champion won a contest to work on a film crew i don't know if that tap that clicking is a tap dancing champion because it is very I mean, it's more arrhythmic. Let's be clear. Getting this, this movie was the third prize. Yeah. <laughs> um, first place got to be. First place got to run the catering for The Exorcist. Third, I don't. I don't know what silver was. I guess uh, makeup just, artist so on Vanilla. There's so much about this film that I found, and yet the clicking is one of the overriding things. Like it's, there were points where the soundtrack made sense because you were like, oh. The music's gone very loud and menacing. Something bad is going to happen. And then I was like, is this how we're signifying we are sciencing? Like the moodiness does the moodiness does so much of the heavy lifting in this movie. Because if you really break down like what is the plot of this movie, the plot is a woman breaks up with her boyfriend and then goes on a few dates with a new woman, and it doesn't turn out well. And that's it. It's a very basic relationship drama. It's, it's, it's less a plot, more a vibe, you know? Yeah. This movie's a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um... Also, again, Miriam, you're so immortal. Would it kill you to be single for like five minutes? Right? She needs like a breakup <laughs> sandwich or something. Like she just needs to fucking like take a break and learn about herself. Yeah. So John is aging. Yeah, so I, I can't. Go ahead. No, I was just saying I can't be mean to her for that because I was a serial monogamist and then like a global pandemic happened and I went, oh, I'll just be single then, shall I? So like, I kind of get okay. it. Even even John says to her, he's like, well, who's going to replace me? Like, who's going to look after you when I'm not here? Who's going to be around? I'm like, that's sweet. Except In he's a like, creepy way. Except for yeah, he's yeah, like, he's... is it Alice? Yeah. Is it the <laughs> child that we hang out with? Are you going to start hanging there? Is she going to be your companion now? Can you not groom the child? Do you remember when everything was wrought iron and marble in the 80s? Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's really nothing likable about John as a character, but his most prominent trainer has been extremely lied to by his significant other. And he's very fashionable. Yes. Yes, that's true. 
he is rapidly aging, despite having been told that he's going to live forever. Turns out he wasn't lied to. He is going to live forever. Oh. But that doesn't come without aging. Um, so, like, it just seems it's something about the vampire blood that when, you know, they get turned into vampires by, I, I guess, Danuv is the master vampire or whatever in this case. Oh, so... That, like, they of, stay young for a long time, and then suddenly it catches up with them. I cannot emphasize enough how fast the transition is. This is not, like, a gradual change over the course of the movie. This is, this movie starts, David Bowie goes to sit in a lobby. We have one scene where Susan Sarandon talks with some people. We cut back, and he is, like, 85 years old. Yeah, Susan Sarandon, like, talks to him. He's raving about getting old faster and how he has liver spots that weren't there yesterday. And she's like, mm, okay, maybe if you go sit in the lobby, like, we'll see if we can get to you. I'm kind of busy. And he goes and sits in the lobby for three hours, dozes off, and when he wakes up, he's, like, 80. <laughs> yeah, and then, meanwhile, Susan Sarandon and friends are, like, watching these monkeys decay. Like, this monkey dies, and then it f- rapidly decays and, like, falls apart. That monkey goes on for so long before it dies. Yeah, Why? I, yeah, like, they watch, the, and that's where the sad animal death comes in, where it's, like, obviously a very, very bad monkey this monkey is in a bad way um i think it's technically a baboon i don't know but anyway it's in a bad way and there's this video footage i don't know where the footage comes from pretty sure it's not the film itself i'm pretty sure this is like b-roll footage that they they acquired but this is like very sick monkey and then they have some like makeup illusions (laughs) where (laughs) the, the monkey um decays and you know it's like Nine Inch Nails video where it's just like rapid um, uh, decomposition and um, no maggots because it's in a lab, but it just like fucking crumbles to dust. And um, yeah, and this is this is a sequence where John keeps walking up on dudes who are completely defenseless and just proceeds to opt not to kill any of them, even though he seemingly needs to feed. Turns out it's way harder to overpower victims when you're 90. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I, but I don't think he's, well, yeah, because like the, the roller skater's mullet was too powerful and like the the Which it, orderly jumps in when he's like gonna, you know, remember when in the 80s you could go into um, the hospital's shower and just chill like you're not you don't have an appointment you just walk into the hospital or clinic or whatever it is look at their look at their monkeys while they smoke at the monkey and then go to their public shower and hang out with the orderlies with their shirts off i mean is i i call that tuesday yeah i mean the real problem is that that david bowie's gotten soft killing soft goth children and now he's gonna try and take on a roller skater in an alley like just an underbridge roller skater uh, and that doesn't go so well. He tries to stab him and it doesn't really work out. Um, and so he runs away. Uh, yeah, that's the one guy who's like, this knife is, that's the shallowest cut. The knife is three centimeters. And he's like, what the fuck? I, I, am, an under, I am an underground sp- skate tough. You don't <laughs> yeah. know what kind of craziness he's got. <laughs> this, guy is, this guy is late for his date being like a bad guy in Maximum Carnage. That man yeah. is wearing a belly shirt and roller skating by himself under a bridge. <laughs> don't fuck with him. He's like prepared to be a background dancer and breaking like that dude's fit. And he's got like and his roller skate dance is on point. 
Um, and we're not talking about rollerblades. Mm-hmm. These are the, yeah, these are the skates. Oh, yeah. Loud as fuck roller skates. You really needed to turn that boombox all the way up. This movie really... really is deliciously 80s sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And also, I'm sure the AC. Yes. Yeah. So, John, um, John returns home to find uh, Alice, the child, waiting outside with her violin. And it's like, play some music for me. All right. Now I can definitely overpower and kill a child. That'll be good. Um, yeah. He's, he's hiding himself from her. And she's like, Are you John's father? And he's like, uh, No, I'm just a friend of there. And she's like, Well, you got the same eyes. And I'm thinking, Nobody in the fucking world has eyes like david bowie so that's a real giveaway bud like mm. maybe you should have put on some of those glasses that you have a million of that are all very <laughs> very good and fashionable i know that this house has no lights like no artificial lights it's all weird raking light from the billowing curtain windows um because y'all were used to living in the 1800s when that's where i guess i don't know i have seen i've not seen one light bulb in this house and so you know maybe it's hard to see with your cool goth glasses on but um i digress it's it's the ineffectual job that he does of hiding he's like i'm just gonna stand in the corner and face the wall (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck it's not effective it's like alice is like oh can i leave her a note and he's like yeah lets the kid in and then just stands in the corner um, I love he just keeps on like nobody's here. It's like then who's talking? <laughs> yeah, who's talking? Somebody's here. You're here. You're really bad at making shit up, dude. <laughs> I've like, got my granite pattern shirt on. How did you see me? <laughs> also, how hard would it have been? Did you say like yes? I am John's father. Go yeah, away. no reasons not to trust me. Even though apparently just being. The shadiest motherfucker in the world wasn't enough to give Alice any danger signs. Hey, you just said, I don't know. Am I human? I don't know. Who's who are you talking to? What's a John? What's who's John? What's a what's a person but play piano? I mean, violin. Oh my god. Yeah, and and Miriam returns to find that he has killed Alice and is still old as fuck. Like whatever whatever's causing him to age. Uh, feeding doesn't help um and, well, s- and so she just she just <laughs> looks at him like he's taking a shit on the floor and, <laughs> and then just i guess they <laughs> scoop up alice and go to her in the incinerator um and like alice apparently or not alice um miriam apparently was quote unquote stuck in the rain which like maybe maybe these vampires are like fucking the wicked witch of the west and they're <laughs> they're like they could do sunlight but not water <laughs> Wait, but she swims. Well, fuck. There goes that idea. <laughs> Maybe water from, from the sky? She's non-chlorinated I water. just assumed that was a euphemism for she was off having sex with someone that wasn't David Bowie and didn't want to admit it. There's a lot of euphemisms, I think, in this film that are that what are, are the euphemisms for is the problem? Well, going to Switzerland. <laughs> <It's> unclear. <laughs> Um, when when your uh, when your ex when your vampire ex lover becomes a living mummy and you have to crate him up in the in the attic because the basement's on fire. Uh, yeah, he's so old and tired that she's like, "Sorry, buddy, it's time for me to go put you in one of these coffins that I keep in my attic." And yeah, so why and then, does like, she have a spare? And then she like 
pull like she starts to talk to the other coffins revealing that apparently she has several former lovers up there not quite dead and i guess john just never went to the attic because if he had he would have been like fuck what's this all about maybe maybe he was scared of the ridiculous number of birds that were just flapping about inside the building all those doves that was a lot those are a lot of i would not have been up there no and also he like there's a shot where it shows him and he's like so deteriorated that he's pissed himself and she puts him (laughs) in his pissed in pants in the fucking crate i didn't know if i was imagining that or not because they they pan across him and i was like it definitely looks like he's pissed his pants Maybe I'm imagining that. Maybe that's just a lighting thing. <laughs> no, nope. I'm glad that you. you no, also he's got eternity to dry out. Like, oh, like, she's so... not feeding any of them. Yeah, they're just living mummies forever in piss pants. Like, how many of the other ones have like pissed themselves in in the death throes? You know, and so you have like a bunch of piss mummies in like stacked in crates. <laughs> yeah, I need to. I need to right now take this opportunity. Mummies. To, to talk to whatever uh, future hot vampire lover slash master might uh, turn me, just just kill me. Like, don't put me in a box forever to, like, be old and it's in a mommy. box and not be able to get out. Just just kill me. Chuck me off the building. Drown me. Burn me. Whatever. Like, yeah, put me in the... Yeah, put me I'll in take the, the crown. <laughs> It's like, look, not, I can't bring myself put me in a box forever. I can't bring myself to kill you, so now you just have to be a piss mummy in a crate. Yeah, she's like, I can't kill you because I'll love you forever. Go sit in a box with everyone else that I love forever. Yeah, everyone, take care of John. Well, we're in boxes. Yeah, they're all equally piss yeah. mummies. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll talk to each other. Uh, I don't know if we can do that. The doves are really loud. And we don't have lungs that work. It's it's just the, the, the pre-planning that she already has the spare coffin that is perfectly John-sized. Yeah, and well, it's just, there's like six others up there and just the spare one. At what point did she think, we've had a good 140 years together. I'll get a box ready. Yeah. Yeah, how far in advance do you plan for that? But like, here's the other that... thing. Like... She's had lovers. She's a, as far as we could tell, she's a serial monogamist, right? Yes. So did she take all of those fucking piss mummies with her wherever she went? Yes. They, they've been to Egypt. They have been to France. She's moved them across to America. It's a good thing she has generic vampire wealth because the shipping costs alone. (laughs) Also, how is John not like, hey, so um, I noticed that you've loaded all your stuff for our moved to america um there are like 20 coffins that i've never seen before what what's that about (laughs) what are those coffins he does know he knows that she's got like an ex-girlfriend because he's like oh how long did it take and she's like oh like (laughs) (laughs) don't worry about it Uh, uh, i can't remember like uh, at what point does he think coffins in the attic She's had ex-lovers. She says forever and ever. Something's not adding up. Like, maybe there he... are red flags here, man. Yeah. Maybe like, they thought this time it was different because it just lasted more than 100 years. Blinded by goth <laughs> vampire sex. Like, I mean... All I yeah. can figure is, like, Catherine Deneuve is pretty hot in this movie. She must be, in-universe, even hotter than she appears because it's like... 
people just don't see any of the red flags. She is just covered in red flags. She yeah. does have that kind of SM air hostess look right at the beginning. <laughs> Maybe it's just that. Maybe every time he's like, I have questions, she'll be like, bounce. Yeah. And she's just... like, look at my glasses. <laughs> Look like every time eyes. it was like, hey, I've never been upstairs. I'm going to head up there just to see what there's like. But va- yeah, but, but vampire <laughs> boobs. Like, look, it's my nipples. For me to play my sad piano. You can't the saddest piano. The sad piano. Um, sad I shell. Mean, Again, he has a ponytail and that's supposed to represent his entire backstory. <laughs> he d- I think there's a bit where he's actually playing the cello for her in Versailles or whatever, or like some French mansion or something. But shit. it's not clear because their house in the present that is 1983 is already full of him playing cello for her in what looks like classically decorated nice European rooms. Yeah, I mean, before he had like kind of a weird Georgian wig, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> And also, there, yeah, like it was their life has the same set. changed dramatically little since the 1800s. I mean, it, it, it was the <laughs> 80s. Or 1700s. This, them 1780s were some wild times. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, we know about that. So Susan Sarandon wanders back into this movie <laughs> and she's like, Oh, uh, I think your husband, somebody came to my office like about a thing. I didn't pay any attention to him, and now I'm feeling kind of bad about it because it looks like they really did age really fast. So, could you tell me about that? And she's like, "Oh, Switzerland." Yep. Oh, he. Oh, he went to Switzerland. Like whenever, maybe that was that was it. Like all those boxes, you know, like they were just the clothes. And so, what happened to like Marianne or whatever? Not Miriam, but Marianne. I don't know. I'm making this name up. What happened to your last girlfriend? Oh, she went to Switzerland. Oh, okay. So they're all in Switzerland. Like, that's what David Bowie knows, and that's now what Saran. But Switzerland does make logical sense if you're European. Yeah. <laughs> Miriam's that's- equivalent if they live on a nice farm somewhere. Yeah. Yes! No, it was a thing. Like, you got sent off to, like, uh, you stayed in hotels in Switzerland because yeah. the air was good for you. You didn't get sent to the farm. You actually went, and then you were allowed to come home again, but obviously not in John's. I mean, there are a lot of farms in Switzerland. (laughs) Yeah, here we just send them to the Rocky Mountains. So or Florida. The the air in Denver is good. Now we just send them to Florida. Yeah, yeah, and then, (laughs) uh, but yeah, there's this great moment, like a a great, like oh no, she's hot moment here (laughs) with uh, Susan Sarandon, where um, he sees. Catherine Deneuve and you know Catherine Deneuve is there with her like deep plunging neckline and her cheekbones and her fucking impeccably sculpted hair and looking he's like hello and then Susan Sharon's like oh hi here's my number and address and my social security number and my credit card feel free to contact me bye um but like as she is leaving we get uh baby dan hedaya yes. as lieutenant alessandro italian i'm sorry i'm i'm a good portion of me is italian so but he's like hey looking for the kid sounds like me but a girl <laughs> and he just wanders oh, no. in and is like have you seen this girl who sometimes comes over here to play uh play instruments with you and your creepy old husband no no the- Okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Anything else turns up? 
by far the most New York part of the whole movie is when David Bowie is leaving the clinic and he's old and he's walking across the street and this taxi almost hits him and then the driver yells, you stupid old fuck at an old man. <laughs> Checks out. I'd say remember in the 80s, but that still happens. So, you know, we don't have to be mis- nostalgic for that. Well, before that, we have... Susan Sarandon waving around her VHS of a monkey snuff film being, it's worth a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> Let's what does that even mean? Why? Why is that worth a fortune? I don't understand. Because we just can gonna... manipulate the aging clock because we can make it go fast. And I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of things like, go. yes, we are traveling in time. I, we're always traveling in time forward. Like we Susan Strange is like, I have become deaf destroyer of monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is also the part where <laughs> we get a lot of very quick cuts to a truck. Uh, which is Why? really confusing. I don't know. <laughs> truck. Psychic powers from vampires? Is that a thing that we forgot to mention in a subplot that got cut? Or... I don't... God. I'm confused um, by this because I felt like she was going to like somehow reach out to Susan Sarandon, whom she just had contact with, to like get her to stop or change her mind about walking in front of this truck or whatever. But instead, she seems to somehow stop the truck before it hits uh, Sarah. And it's like, how? And also, why? Like, um, surely there's an easier way to do that, right? If if I could stop a truck hitting Susan Sarandon when she'd just given me her number, I would do that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's Susan a relatable Sarandon's character. Kind of a snack and-, and her, mm. oh, and her fucking, her shiny ass trench coat, but we'll get there. <laughs> with with um, the hair. She, she keeps doing the same hair thing that Bowie was doing. Yeah. And I'm like, is this, is this a symbolism thing? Should I be picking up on this? No, everyone had hair like that, though. Like the fucking chick in the beginning had hair like that. Everyone's hair was like up here. And so, um, yeah, like, I guess, well, when a vampire cries, it stops a truck. But when a vampire fucks, it makes monkeys kill each other. So those are the rules that this film has. That's a good has power set. Yeah, that's, that's our world building. All the other world building is the vampire powers plug these weird plot holes. And also, if you if you meet a hot vampire, she will make you hallucinate her occasionally for no no real reason. It just seems to be it's it's like a haunting almost. It's almost like she's just she's just seeing hot vampire ladies everywhere. Yeah, um, and answering telephones that aren't ringing. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know what that that's about. <laughs> She's psychic confusing. about the phone. Or maybe she has like one of those silent ones with the light. I was just hoping she'd call me. Yeah. <laughs> I gave her my number. Why didn't Aww. it ring? Right. Um, remember in the 80s? But when she, can't, she can't dial her. the phone. She's too busy playing the sad piano. Yeah. And we <laughs> were all. All she does when there's nobody else in the house, which is why she has to have a companion all the time. Otherwise, she would just wear out the piano. She'd wear out the piano and all the trucks, all the shipping in New York would stop. <laughs> Because all the trucks would stop from her crying and her vampire tears. Um, and apparently, she, unlike other vampires, which cast no reflection when they're in front of a mirror, her reflection is just cast in the mirror when she isn't there. So, like, it's just lost. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
That's the real secret you don't know about vampires. It's not that they don't have a reflection. It's just that the reflection is in a really fucking strange place. Yeah. <laughs> it's not where it should be. It's like annihilation, it's you know? It's shadows. just, it's, everything's all, yeah. all weird. The shimmer. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just fucking Tom with his aviators in the shower, okay? Like, <laughs> listen. Tom. That's Fuck why he Tom couldn't so see much. the vampire reflection because his aviators were on. And they were using the dimmest fucking fluorescent lights i've ever seen in my life for their bathroom where they have to do all their makeup and shit. So, with, with the blue lights in the bathroom that reminded me of when they used to put uv lights in like public toilets so that people couldn't do drugs oh yeah and i was like is that why he's wearing his sunglasses because the lights are a horrible color and <laughs> what just, just change the lighting dude i don't what? know much about lighting but how do uv lights prevent drugs because I feel like I could definitely still smoke a joint in UV light. Oh no, like like big boy drugs. So um, UV light. <laughs> you can't. Um, I'm literally sitting here tapping my arm. You can't find a vein under UV light. Um, it makes it really really difficult to see where your veins are. So the um, I used to live in Brighton and they used to do it. As, they did it in Burger King, and we also it was like disco lights, and then we found out it's so people couldn't do heroin. <laughs> in the burger king oh my god i'm just imagining more stuff like that where it's like a circus guy comes to me and goes like got your nose so now you can't snort cocaine i'm just i'm just i'm just seeing you as a background character and with nail and i know like just, just desperately looking for a place to do heroin and you're like just wondering how many people like, need is- to do heroin in a burger king before they're like we need special anti-heroin lighting <laughs> Is the Burger King just playing like Kronos Quartet all the time and everybody's just like oh, 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 oh. fucking uh, weird goth post-apocalyptic Burger King is just In just order to promote that. healthy living, Burger King will now be playing Requiem for a Dream <laughs> on loop. In the bathroom. In I really, bathroom. I really hope someone is listening that lived in Brighton in the early 2000s and remembers the disco toilets in the Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, hey, Whoppers are the only thing you should be flame broiling in here. <laughs> yeah. Remember in the early 2000s when you go to the Burger King, <laughs> fucking just go out in the bathroom so you don't fucking shoot up. I can't believe we didn't get that scene in Train Spotting of you and McGregor <laughs> trying to shoot up in a Burger King, but he can't find a vein under the. He's light. like, I don't know, and he's like, "That's why I go to McDonald's." <laughs> McDonald's, <laughs> the heroin addict's fast choice. Got a, I wasn't. I'm loving it. I love it. I can't remember what McDonald's. Yep. I, I think I the tagline was, "I'm loving it," or just "Nah, nah, nah, nah." nah. I'm, I'm doing like, drugs. <laughs> Well, apparently Burger King didn't anticipate the fact that you could shoot up like in your eye or in your toes. So, let's not talk King. about that anymore. <laughs> this movie's about addiction. So, guys, what drug would you like to do in Burger King bathroom? <laughs> Quaaludes. So I could forget it. Curtains. <laughs> Curtains. <laughs> Curtains are the real drug. I- yeah, I would be on the it's Burger King bathroom. With like, the if this movie cool is addict, if if we're judging this movie by its addictions, this movie should have been called Nipples and Curtains. <laughs> <laughs> Nipples, curtains, That'll... and cigarettes. Yeah. Although yeah. I have to say, the point where somebody finally was like, "Hey, David Bowie, don't smoke in the hospital waiting room," I was like, "Thank you." Yeah, I also had that in my notes. They they gave him an ashtray. 
And the next scene, he's sitting there with an ashtray on the arm of the sofa with a cigarette in it. I'm like, well, of course he's smoking. Yeah. He enabled him. <laughs> it yeah. is wildly, it is wild just how ubiquitous smoking was and just, I guess, public infrastructure. Remember when you could smoke in the lab, in the bio, in the bio lab, when you're doing bio fucking tech on your own blood and talking about how your blood's fighting itself and you're like god i need a cigarette I'm there's gonna- two she had a lot of sex though she needed that cigarette yeah i mean yeah, she had but- th- she had had three and a half hours of sex <laughs> yeah but like she okay we're getting Oops. past the very important the very important no, I, th- I, th- I think we're focusing on the important part that that was three and a half hours <laughs> So yes, but that's working the point now, where we're at, scene. actually, where Susan Sarandon wanders back to her house and is like, I don't really know why I'm here. And she's like, I do. Um, <laughs> You're so and, gay. And just You're tells so her some tells her some gay stories about being gay. And, and Susan and Sarandon's like, oh my. are you gay? And then she's like, oh, no, my shirt. Oh, no, it's <laughs> off. She says, <laughs> Susan Sarandon says, are you making a pass at me? To which she responds, not that I'm aware of. And then it's just like, oops, we're fucking now. Well, I love it. Even before it starts, Susan Strand is like, well, I guess if I like women now, I need to start sitting super gay. Like, let me just get this foot up over the armrest. Like, yeah, that's how the queers sit. No more straight sitting for this gal. She changes into her, her white tee with no bra underneath so that she can spill a little wine on it and then... I guess Miriam can just spray her with a hose. I'm not sure what happened in that cut. She was so nervous. She was sweating really hard and it made her shirt like completely transparent. Yeah, because like she spills a little bit of sherry on her shirt and suddenly she's in a wet t-shirt contest. Yeah. But is anyone complaining? Congratulations to all sapphics. Yeah, but now, okay, so they're doing very, very accurate, historically and biologically accurate and socially accurate lesbian sex, where they start moving around on a bed and there's some curtains. They are being what historians would call good friends. (laughs) Yes. There's some. I've I've written in the notes here uh, lesbian sex. I think involves getting topless and writhing sort of near another woman on a bed. <laughs> Tony Scott, sexpert. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I have to ask, what's more explicitly queer? The lesbian sex scene in The Hunger or the volleyball scene in Top Gun? Probably the volleyball scene. Yeah, I'm going to say the volleyball scene. Partly the volleyball scene. Yeah. Because that that is all, I mean, like, there the lesbian scene in The Hunger is like super cishet gaze. Like to set white dude gaze. I'm just really confused by like they do this like super aesthetic overhead shot of I guess the bed, and like they're mostly concerned about one getting of them that is lying shot. one direction and one of them is lying perpendicular to the other, and it's unclear what the end goal here is. <laughs> like, is the goal of sex not to be as far away from someone while being on the same surface as them? I mean, this is like Barbarella sex because they're like sort of touching. Also, I, I'm guessing you know, at this point in the story, Sarah has, has never had gay sex. So maybe she just thinks like the biting and trading blood is like part of how lesbian sex works. 
And oh, like right. it seems very confused that there is vampire stuff involved later on. But like she definitely gets bitten, bleeds, and then drinks Miriam's blood in this scene. So either yeah. she is like hypnotized throughout and does not actually know what she's doing, or she just thinks this is how you do it. I mean, God, what's the difference <laughs> between being hypnotized and being a baby gay? I like I kind of I, I except for like the whole the fact that there's probably no discussion and no like consent given about the blood or whatever like I kind of um I am tickled so to speak by the idea of like the you know the lady's first lesbian experience with like experienced lesbian and they're like okay now we're gonna do we're gonna like make a human pyramid this is part of it <laughs> We're just gonna really? exchange yeah. some blood. That's just like the exchange some blood. I, you know, they need to they need to talk about that first. Like you definitely need to talk about that first. But like you know, like okay, now you need to stand on one foot <laughs> while I like poke your like I just touch your nipples in a particular order, and now you're a lesbian. <laughs> You, you put a scissor in this is calculator. You just got you just gotta do yeah. a little bit of a you just gotta do a little bit of Morse code like dot dot dash. Dot dot dash. Beep, you beep, have to spell beep, lesbian and Morse code. Beep 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 beep. <laughs> yeah, and, and never is it like we talked about uh in, in the episode about Black Swan how like male gazy and straight the gay sex scene is. And this one is like we owe you Black Swan an apology. That, yeah. <laughs> you would think that lesbian sex was had specifically with nipples. By the way, this is shot. Like yeah, Black, Swan, Black Swan at the very least goes like, oh right, women have genitals. And that should be Not a part in this of movie. sex. Yeah, no, in this movie it's all tit touching. <laughs> no, no Just genitals. Nothing below the belly button in this movie. No, it's not. And it is, there's there's nothing <clears throat> that even when even when you first get Susan Sarandon like laying seductively on the bed with her nipples out, she's still got her pants on. And I'm like, as in underwear pants, not trousers. Um, and I'm like, well, it's like, like your, your new girlfriend is clearly getting naked. You're gonna have some fun. Get your pits off, woman. <laughs> don't, don't be all laying there seductively, poking your nipples out when you still have clothing on. That really annoyed me. <laughs> I was getting quite irate on the treadmill at this point. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, 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 take off your underwear. <laughs> just the frustration that I've been like, fuck it, we're, we're increasing the incline. <laughs> <laughs> Treadmill's like, obviously, you need a little bit more challenge. Mm. And then the dude next to you is like, what is she screaming about? Him? <laughs> and pants. Just don't Why is her nipples on her screen again? Just- <laughs> yeah. Just Sarah running with her her headphones on in the middle of the gym, just just yelling, "Take your pants off!" <laughs> <laughs> That's not how you do it. Just randomly yell, "Why aren't you naked yet?" <laughs> yeah, like it's a great question. Yeah, for most of, course of the bit characters you on the in the arm. movie, you didn't give her anything else to bite. Like again, I know we get a little Bowie ass, but not as much as we should have. Yeah, we do get Catherine Deneuve's ass, but not through. But it's only through like the curtains. So many curtains. Yeah, there's like okay. Cool... Again, that feels sexual in its own way with just the degree of curtain fetish we've got going on. Like that <laughs> yeah. was someone being like, "No, it's hotter with the curtain." And 
no one knew how to tell the set designer. It's like, it's not, but you've gone mad with power. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> curtains are like legs, right? Because they're silky. And then yeah, Tarant- you rub the, rub the curtains. has got the foot thing. Curtains are the nipples of the house. <laughs> there were curtains in uh in in that scene in Top Gun with the take your breath away. Like what weren't there? Or maybe they Mother were Motherfucker pretty- loves curtains. Yeah. <laughs> now we're just gonna go through all Tony Scott's movies looking for curtains. Yeah, yes. drink for curtains. I mean there there are Man on Fire, what you got? <laughs> is a curtain just going by while Denzel is just like killing people with a flamethrower? That'd be dope. Oh, no. Now that you actually say that, I swear there is a scene right at the start of that movie where they're like panning through the house and it's before the kid goes and there is just curtains and it's like, this is a big, <laughs> yeah. sexy house. I love oh, it. Now Guys, I watch- we fucking, oh. we fucking cracked the code on the Tony Scott curtain conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. There are fewer curtains in the sex scenes in the room than there are in the sex scenes in this movie. <laughs> And then, then we have my favorite cut of this movie, which is like, she's sinking her teeth into her and like there's blood oozing down her arm. And then suddenly we're looking at a bloody steak. Yeah, which is <laughs> cut in half. I was like, this is straight out of Hannibal. Like, what are we yeah. doing? Well, apparently Hannibal was influenced. Apparently Brian Fuller cited this movie and I'm like, no shit, bud, but thank you. I believe it. A hundred percent. Like I can tell, I can I can look at Brian. I could look at fucking Hannibal and be like, Brian Fuller. I know your interests. I know your like your fucking dating OK Cupid profile already. You're like, like the way Mads Mikkelsen is me. used in Hannibal makes me believe Brian Fuller also agrees that David Bowie was wasted in this film. Yeah, he's like, what if now? What if? Like, I think he was just trying to rewrite The Hunger, but he's like, also Thomas Harris, and now it's doubly sexy. And we're like, God damn it, you're right. What, what if we didn't waste one of the centuries preeminent sex gods in this erotic, thr- like, horror thriller movie? In this erotic vampire horror thriller. Like, listen, Vamp had Grace Jones as a vampire painted up by Keith Haring. That's the level I this movie had to be at. Fucking yeah. up your game. Yeah, come on. Like, just put them together. Yeah, but like, this, movie, should... this movie had curtains. Yeah. Did you can fucking curtain. edit them together. Can I? I don't know if I could ever make a vampire film because I don't know if I could be comfortable being as horny on main as you need to be to make a proper <laughs> vampire movie. Oh my God. Yes. And so, okay. Like, I think this is the thing. Phantom, Phantom editors of the internet, I am calling out to you. I. I'm calling to you. Make a mashup of the hunger of Vamp. Maybe even First Bitten. Like, you know, get these '80s ass movies and maybe put Manhunter in there a little bit just for the fucking Will Graham guy yelling and with his shirt off because it's the same set. Um, you know, and like just put it all together. Put some Bauhaus over it. Boom, boom, boom. You got a million dollars. Everybody will love it. Um, and if you can't get put- Bauhaus, use Baja Men. No. It'll have the same effect. Peter Murphy's still alive. Okay. Okay. Bahamut is a different movie. You do both of them. You know what? We could do both. We could do both. <laughs> anyway, they're in a the uh, Sarah and Tom are in a restaurant, and Tom's like, "So, what's with your new friend? You were there for three and a half hours." And she's like, "Oh, you know." <laughs> Tom European. would be the chip 
if this was an actual horror movie and instead he's completely right on the money to think it's just relationship drama yeah like she's like no i just she's she's european come on and then she's she's european and she gave me this weird onk necklace also what the fuck is happening in this scene like there's like naked swimming <laughs> intercut with the the dinner, and I then... thought that was a flashback of them, but it was just her looking at naked swimming. Like I, what what I is it, editing? I thought it was a <laughs> yeah. flashback of of her and Catherine Deneuve, but then yeah, like they're, totally. they're naked in the pool. We can't really see who it is. It's just naked it's... women in a pool. But then, like, at some point, they pull out at the dinner table, and there's a pool behind them where they're eating dinner. And I should there say the camera pulls out. seemingly clothed women there. <laughs> I, the camera I pulls out. can't. I don't know. It's so confusing. I don't know if she was fantasizing that maybe they were in a pool swimming and like the I people next that to was... them, or... Yeah, maybe that was just her thinking about them being in a pool and that's why she didn't eat the clams. Yo, I have... <laughs> Shit, I didn't even think of that. I just thought, like, you got clams and then you wouldn't eat the clams. Now you got steak extra rare and now you won't eat that. Come it on. should have been that she got oysters and never orders oysters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, she, I mean, clams, though. She clams. ordered clams, but Catherine Deneuve never taught her how to eat clams. So, like, they never got to that. Because <laughs> she kept her pants on. <laughs> He's like, I think that I think that there's something about this. I, I was I, as I was watching that scene, I was like, is is this a double in entendre? Is, is this is an innuendo? I don't know. Like the, they <laughs> nobody ever actually got to like oral sex in this sex scene. I don't look, this is the queer vampire horror movie where we transition to a split open bloody steak. <laughs> yes it's a definitely it's a, it's a absolutely a double entendre yeah and then now i'm thinking like the curtains because we have beef i i've been trying so hard not to use the phrase beef curtains <laughs> 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 oh, no you've made me do it at least I'm we sorry i'm sorry jeremy you invite me on to talk to your friends it's my fault it's my fault i was i set you up and you just i I had i threw you the ball and there was the hoop and you're like i don't know i gotta dug it i'm sorry at least you didn't just kind of spread these beef curtains it's just oh no no. look i'm the name of the episode the billowing beef I personally am proud that it took us almost two whole hours to get here. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to make. I don't even know what this movie is like doing. It has, I, it has to be, I feel like it has to be like a more romance novel, like where the beef curtains bellow. Yeah. Although, if we do say the term beef curtains in the title of the episode, it gives away this magical gonna, moment. It, it gives away the magical moment, and it also misrepresents this film almost as badly as the fucking <laughs> Wikipedia or it the does. IMDb or whatever, because there's like, no actual vaginas. Nope. Unless this you count the... Lot. Are you telling no me that vaginas are sometimes a part of lesbian sex? No, everyone in this movie is just like Barbie down there, so that's that's clearly how actual... That, it's a result of the first thing that ages... It's a result of the stronger <laughs> blood. Yeah, the stronger blood. <laughs> I want to talk about the Ankh necklaces again. Uh, yeah. the necklaces. How many spare chains do you think they have? Because they break so the, they break that chain 
every time. They never just casually take it off. It's always break. They're fucking goths, okay? They've got chains for days. Again, it would be a very different experience if Miriam was just calmly taking off her necklace and like, like unscrewing daintily it, unscrewing it. It's definitely for impact, <laughs> but again, like, at what point... Is there just some like jeweler in New York? Which okay, yes, obviously there's a jeweler in New York who is just selling gold chains in bulk. Why am I even asking that? This is no way of <laughs> Obviously, there's some sort of like easy. It's like those easy release collars that you get for cats, but these are like easy release chains for your like sexy moment where you pull it, just, pull I, it off. Soon, as soon as I said it out loud, as soon as I said it, I was like, what? Like, there's just a place in New York where you can just buy gold chains in bulk? I'm like, oh, no, I made a mistake. <laughs> it's like a sexy gold chain, but it has, like, you know, a lanyard thing at the back where yeah. it's just, you just break away. So you don't strangle yourself going down the slide as a child, you know? Um, I think that is where Miriam really shows off her, like, lack of concern for money, though. She's obviously had money for a long time. She keeps breaking the necklaces way back at the start when she's got like sexy punk boy on the yeah. sofa she just tears his t-shirt open and i just started, I went, well that was wasteful i know it's and like that's vintage <laughs> come on <laughs> although i mean if you could go on i mean that dude's dead and he's probably burned in that torn t-shirt but like if you could go on ebay and be like this is a band shirt that a vampire ripped off of me <laughs> You know, the amount of people fucking buying haunted dolls at e- on eBay, you could probably oh, sell yeah. like a pre- pre-ripped pre vampire sex shirt. shirt. People would just be smashing buy it now before you even hit sell. Um, <clears throat> anyways. The vampire didn't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is where we, we go to our science lab. <laughs> our nicotine lab. Where we find out that What's real? Well, so first she starts, she doesn't eat, and then they go home and she starts puking uh, everywhere, which is very like on level with the bit puking scene. Um, yeah. Except for nobody tries to feed her whatever the fuck her brother tried to feed her in that scene. That was quinoa, which yes. is like the fact that she wasted that steak was fucking criminal because it looked yes. beautiful. The, the, the quinoa, wasted quinoa. Yeah. Quinoa was already wasted. The, yeah, I the, know vegans who are like fuck quinoa. As much as I love. <laughs> bit the reason that scene doesn't work is because if you gave me that sandwich i would also immediately throw it up regardless of if i've been bitten by a vampire also that quinoa looks like worms not in this lost boy way but like the actual like it actually looks like i don't need fucking keeper sutherland to tell me like oh you're eating worms i'm like no i'm eating quinoa it's the same it's like it mm -mm." and that's why i avoid pescetti (laughs) or biscotti not pescetti was connecting um, it back to that scene in What We Do in the Shadows, where they keep pronouncing it Paschetti. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I, lo- I love that movie and the TV show. Oh, me too. Holy shit. Um, so they're in the science lab, and they're looking at Miriam's blood. Everybody's looking at Miriam's blood. There's also a lady scientist that is sometimes there, and she looks Unnamed really familiar. Scientist. She's just there to scowl and smoke. <laughs> Yeah, which all, Susan Sarandon also does. Everyone is scowling and smoking, except for Charlie, who's just like, eh, I don't know, your blood's fighting the other blood. Your bloods are fighting. <laughs> it's um, blood, it's a blood battle. Yeah. Um, it's and it's blood again. Yeah. Which I want to say someone saw that scene of just the blood talking and was like, ooh, I'm going to make Underworld. As you were going to say Venom. I mean, all of the above. Honestly, we should cover it all. We would have a, 
Oh my god, Venom is... Does Venom count as a horror? No, Venom is just Venom. Venom only counts as Venom. Y'all talked about Mortal Kombat, so I think y'all, we could talk about Venom. Like, come on. That and also... Just, just any, any kind of monster fucker movie. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do a monster fucker series. Well, we already did Alien shit. Well, we oh, still no. haven't done Alien Resurrection, and that there's some... Uh, um, anyway. anyway. For those of you at home, Emily just made not suggestive hand motions because it was implying impossible alien sex so i'm not really sure where it was but imagine if something made up could also be dirty it's like well it's basically the 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 thing that the guy does at the end of the fifth element when like bruce willis and uh uh mia jovovich are like banging in the recovery pod and he's like they're not they're not ready yet (laughs) that sort of thing um anyway so very specific reference there emily (laughs) listen if you're if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the fifth element pause the podcast we'll be here when you get back after you watch the hunger watch fifth element it's a great understand everything a lot better yeah you'll (laughs) understand podcast everything everything. maybe just watch the fifth element um i don't know you can like the nice thing about the hunger is much like the man fell to earth you could put it on the background for like you know a sexy goth bar and be like oh cool Oh, great, but great bar movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All all the moody, slow, and weird pans, all of that works better, like, as something to put on at a golf bar. Yeah, I mean, yes. Throw this on, like, with Crow during golf night, and you got a crowd of happy drunks. Well, the Crow has good dialogue, though. It does have, like, more music in it. Crow's just a good movie. Yeah. Is it... Yes, it's a yes, better. Jeremy, I will it's, die. it's a it's a better movie. It's a better movie than this, and I will I, <laughs> I will die and then like come back to life to the cure and be like all made up and be like Jeremy. Anyway, um, okay, um, so, yeah, this is the point where it becomes unclear what the fuck's happening. Um, this is the point where it became unclear. Well, Susan really? Sarandon just now. Susan Sarandon before. Fine. Also, you, you were keeping yes. up. You were watching like the Victorian wigs and being like, "Yup, this is making sense. I understand what's happening." <laughs> this is sure, the point yeah, where I, I started. Totally get why we're in ancient Egypt for half a second. This is the point where I started wondering, did I fall asleep for a minute? Because I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. Um, oh, there was that random Greek with the the guy with the braziers, and there were curtains in Greece as well, and they were also made out of tool. And he was like, Miriam! like I guess I don't at know. At this point, it's just like a lot. It, it feels like twenty minutes. It can't be that long, but it felt like twenty minutes of just uh, Susan Sarandon being in like that po- that haze where you've been bitten by a vampire, but you haven't fed yet. Yeah, and. Like Miriam takes care of her, and Tom just keeps. Yeah, and, and Miriam maybe kills a guy on an elevator and wants her to eat him. But where is the elevator? And and where's the guy? And where did he come from? What is any elevators in the house? Because that's how they get from the crematorium in the basement to the weird dove coffin room upstairs. <laughs> they have to take like... the stairs for the dove room. Yes, but most of the way, from? she picked him up. Who is, who is the man? He's, he's a hooker. She picked yeah, him up. Man. She went out in the car and the man came and just started being really douchey. I'm not being funny. So that douche. guy deserved to die. Oh, yeah. Like, he spat his chewing gum out in her house. Get the fuck out. Kill, yeah. death, death, ah. jail, 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 yeah. death. 
Yeah, and so this all happens after, okay, so Susan Sarandon shows up and she's like, everybody thinks, shows up at, at Miriam's house and every and, and she's like, everybody thinks I'm at a blood clinic. So I, but I decided to come here in this fucking metallic ass duster <laughs> and this fucking fire outfit. And so I want to know, what, yeah, I so, want to know so what's fire. going on. And Miriam's like, oh, uh, we belong to each other and you're um, you're basically a vampire and um, now and then, oh, you're mad? I'm going to throw your entire ass body across the room um, because you're attacking me. And then Susan Sarandon tries to call the doctor. Um, the and doctor says, no more it, monkeys dying in your clinic. Sorry. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Willem Dafoe is there for a second. And then the elevator dude shows up. And mm-hmm. Catherine Deneuve is like, oh, I got this dude for you. And then soon Sarazin's like, I oh, know I'm just going to be in a t-shirt and panties like on a bed sweating for a while. And I still would, though. I'd like to point that out. I've made a point in my notes saying I would accept sweaty, disheveled, half-naked Susan Sarandon. Oh, yeah, no. And I wouldn't like be like, here's this douchebag. Would you like to yeah. eat him? And then she's like, I'm not feeling so hot. So, so Miriam's like, I guess I'll eat him then. Um, and uh, his glasses are dope. Don't let though. him go bad, you know? Yeah. He's not going to keep. I mean, <laughs> everyone else, like, I don't know if they come back in those, like, those boxes. Maybe she's saving them for later. I don't know why she doesn't cremate all of her ex-lovers, but okay. Um, and and uh, Tom shows up. Yeah, Tom is like, yeah, she was supposed <sighs> to go to a clinic to get checked out and she didn't so i thought maybe she came here because i'm sure you guys are banging um <laughs> tom tom to his credit has it figured out <laughs> like for the most part he's like uh yeah it seemed like she was over here for three and a half hours yesterday and uh she came back with some some weird bruises and some bleeding not but- human blood yeah, and the, blood. Yeah, some, yeah, some blood of an alien species that's fighting yeah. my blood for dominance. <laughs> Which is again, how that works. what a twist on a fantastic voyage that would be. You have to go inside the body and fight the vampire blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tom finds Sarah like sick and shaking upstairs, and Tom is trying to get her to come with him. And Miriam has a flashback to Egypt. Um, where she also ate a dude with, and while she was wearing a cool Egyptian hat. Um, that's all we Still get. Still being that. incredibly French. Yeah. With curtains. Yeah, yeah there was curtains. Oh the, my, they were so billowy. Yeah, the, the <laughs> dude looked uh, Egyptian, but apparently he, is he was accredited like... as Egyptian slave. Isn't that fun? Mm. Um, the One of the few black characters in this movie, her only implied black love interest um don't know she ate him i mean to be fair at a certain at a certain point of oldness it kind of becomes impossible to tell what race any of them were i mean we don't know we don't know who's in those coffins oh you mean like the the zombies yeah he might have been one of the zombies yeah like yeah like her her, some of her past lovers might have been people of color (laughs) or maybe she's just a weird ass like i'm the french egyptian i'm gonna just keep finding just the whitest people in the not whitest of places (sighs) I mean, maybe she can't sunburn, but if she could. Well, the sun does not seem to be a problem. Daylight is no issue for them. This movie, again, doesn't give a shit about vampire lore. Yeah. And they only Um, wear sunglasses at night. 
Yeah, maybe they have night vision. Is that cool? Yeah. Again, I never even thought about that as a vampire thing. I just took that sight unseen as like, oh, you're just goth tryhards wearing sunglasses at night to look cool. <laughs> Corey Hart. Um. <laughs> yeah, the only the only bit of vampire lore that this movie cares about is that they uh, they don't sleep much. <laughs> they sleep uh, six hours every twenty four and feed on one day out of every seven. Like that's no, I, I sleep I six, six hours. Six hours. hours. I know. Very fucking and what? Fucking you want a goddamn metal, you lazy vampires? <laughs> yeah. You're a vampire. You can't get the prescribed amount of sleep anymore. It's only six now. Yeah, only six. Apparently, well, maybe that's the thing. Is maybe if they don't get six hours of sleep, then they just fucking immediately age. So they have. That's why they need the quaaludes, so they could just like fucking go, like down and then up, like fucking time it, like if no more, wolf- no less, or else you become piss mummy. Would have been pretty great <laughs> if Wolf of Wall Street had involved more vampires. I think that that's okay. okay. So I have a pitch right now. We're gonna do the hunger. But the way it should have been done with the actual, like everybody's still alive and and like you know, sexy, yeah. and and sexy, and also you know, there's gonna be a hand between some legs. Okay, <gasps> listen. If if not more, I don't know. I don't know if we don't need to go like full fucking like penis and vagina like close up Antichrist. Like we can't. We don't need to do that. <laughs> but um, in fact, let's not talk about Antichrist ever again. But <laughs> you brought it up. I'm sorry, mea culpa, that's my bad. Okay, but now the David Bowie character is also a wolf of Wall Street because he's not just a vampire, but also a werewolf. And now the go, you guys are the writers. Gordon Gecko is a vampire versus Jordan Belfort's werewolf of Wall Street. There you go, boom. It's underworld meets billions. TM, 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 TM. (laughs) Gordon, I mean, but shouldn't Gordon Gecko be some sort of uh, lizard man, well, though? I mean, yeah, obviously man. Gordon Gecko should be a lizard man. Yeah. It's the role Michael the, the, Douglas the was born for. And also, like, vampires can climb on walls. It, you know, yes. Followers of Set have a have a, an ability called Serpentis, where they can get snake eyes and snake tongues and scales. Um, We're still talking about Michael Douglas, the actual person, right? Because I'm still talking about Michael Douglas, the lizard person. (laughs) Yeah, he's a follower of Set. He's a follower of Set. I don't know why fucking Egypt or snakes happen. I mean, have you ever seen him and Catherine Zeta Jones not following Set? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sure. I'm just talking about the white wolf lore that has followers of Set and then, like, you know, the symbols of his fucking Set, who's like the weird hyena thing and then like they're snakes and i heard I, white wolf and i'm just like what bucky comic was this in <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> winter soldier the masquerade <laughs> that would be great <laughs> oh boy yes um it's like vampire but even more bisexual um Woo-hoo. that's more the bisexual. kind of story bucky deserves to be in yeah so um, sarah kills and eats tom Uh, as well she should Tom you always wear an asshole yeah Um, which is just how I'm going to start since after aliens that's just how I'm going to start greeting every guy as as they leave the the movie as they die you always wear an asshole I did see when people are going around like which Disney villain do you want to see get an origin story next I saw someone be like I really want to see Paul Reiser's character from (laughs) aliens have a bar mitzvah (laughs) 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 
I still need to find that mad about you alien skit because I'm I'm starting to think that I just like made it up. Yeah, he, and this is where we get a, a reprise of the forever and ever bit. Uh, uh, because I guess Sarah still hasn't connected the dots on John and, and what the deal was there. He's um, in Switzerland. Her yeah. deal seems to be that like, oh, well, it'll be good. They'll assume I'm an immortal. And then by the time they figure it out, they can't do anything. So I'll just put them in my coffin room. My piss mummy. How terrible must that room smell? That room must smell oh. awful. Yeah, but it's open air. <laughs> yep. It's open air. But the then the dogs are in. shitting so everywhere. There's, there's, there was no dumb shit there. I... <laughs> Like very hard. <laughs> I'm just like, where, where is, where is the shit? Why is there no poop? There are billowing curtains which have no bearing on any of the places that the wind yeah. could be coming in. I don't. This think is that... the thing that I fixate on. There are definitely curtains that are not attached to any windows. Yeah, well, this is around the weird yeah. like porthole in the ceiling where she's like, apparently, again, apparently, maybe, maybe instead of being allergic to sunlight like most vampire maybe she's like allergic to artificial light and so in order to do anything she needs like actual daylight so yeah she's a solar powered vampire have rules what this movie didn't have rules yes yes it does government. you can only sleep for six hours a night yeah. and you feed one out of every seven days that's it that's all the rules life and death are meaningless by this movie's end this this <laughs> shit like what a fucking I guess you get the super strength and you're just sexy forever. But like, mm -hmm. if I had to give up pizza forever, like, I think it's, you know, maybe it's because I'm asexual, but like, I, like, if I lost the ability to eat a good food <laughs> and all I had to eat was blood of some douchebag, I don't know. Maybe, maybe once I'm a vampire, like some of those, some of those pleasure centers are like reorganized. But like, I hope so because otherwise, you can't go out during the daytime ever. No more sunshine. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm not sure how much of a change that is compared to just normal England loving, England living, or England loving. <laughs> really, I we've mean, had we've had actual weather for the last few days. There's been sunshine. Ma many a year ago, I lived in London, and I and any time there was the sun did come out, it did feel like a special occasion. I like how for and I like how there it's weather when it's when it's weather, it's good weather. When here, when we have weather, it's bad weather. Oh no, that's just standard. Yeah. Although it, it's been sunny for like three days and it rained for about an hour today and every group chat I'm in was like, it's raining. Have you seen it? There's rain. Have you got the rain? We've got the rain here. And I'm like, for God's sake. The best is any time a state that isn't used to snow gets any amount of snow. Chaos. We just start just crashing. Yeah. Like our, yeah. our cars crash in the driveway still. Um to be fair, there are, just flip over. there are infrastructure differences. It's like oh, yeah. New York, it's like, oh, it's snowing. It's like, we don't give a shit. We just put salt right in the concrete. Doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Yeah. Here it rains and people are like, I thought this water always was in the, the thing in the ground. There's like, <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Preachers just running out like the, the flood. It's back as the Bible foretold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What happens this... to Miriam's curtains around her little porthole thingy when it rains? They won't be able to billow because they'll be like soggy. They're tool. <laughs> they're vampire curtains with their with their eternal billowing youth. Then they're probably synthetic, so like the just the, the moisture just wicks um, right off of them. 
oh but then the coffins will get wet and the- well, they're not under the light they're like right next to it i mean still you can maybe the ah the the cur- the tool the synthetic tool curtains are humidity shield maybe they're just shower curtains would it yeah. have been better <laughs> if she had vacuum sealed her ex-lovers just shrink wrapped them that's a that's a big process for those crates. They have a crematorium. I don't know what kind of <laughs> budget she has. Yeah, they can at least fucking Laura Palmer that shit. Got a fucking laminator <laughs> in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Run them through. <laughs> so so the, the, at this point, Sarah seems to be down for this and decides to uh, have a bloody makeout sesh, um, at which point she then stabs herself in the neck and with her onk knife and bleeds all over Miriam and everything else. <laughs> and Miriam's like, well, shit, I got to get another crate ready. Um, this is, this is going to be terrible. Um, was anyone else, was it unclear at first, anyone else that Sarah had stabbed herself? Yes. Yeah. Very yes. unclear. Yeah. Okay. Because I had my notes like, lesbian betrayal. <laughs> And it's like, oh no! I guess really okay. Increasingly unclear as this goes on, what the fuck is happening? It's so unclear. (laughs) Things just happen because at certain points, like like, we see her, we see her pull it off, and then we see a stab and blood gushing, and then suddenly Miriam is carrying Sarah up the stairs as Sarah's bleeding all over the place, and she's like, oh no, I got to put her in a crate, and then all of her. All of her mummies come up out of their crates and start attacking her. Is, is there like is there like an earthquake or something? I feel like I thought it was so this this goes into my notes, which is if Edgar Allan Poe decided to do a sexy vampire movie, this is it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because at this point it's like what do you mean if it starts going straight up like House of Usher? Like yeah. Every, like it looks like the house tilts to one side and then everybody just comes up out of their grave and starts mobbing her uh well coffins in their attic and starts mobbing her and then she's like oh no and falls down some stairs um she's all dramatically though yeah she falls forever down between the stairs and ages forever and sometimes the 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 zombies are there or like the piss mummies are there and sometimes they're not and so, like I don't know if she's hallucinating them or if they're actually there, but they start crumbling when she starts crumbling. At a certain point, I wasn't sure what I was hallucinating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not really sure what's going on there. It feels again, it's a vibe. <laughs> like it's yeah. not really like clear what's going on. She falls down, seems to die, and then suddenly, <laughs> suddenly. Uh, a real estate agent comes in and uh, our detective shows back up. He hasn't uh, been here except for that one scene. And uh, the like, yeah, there was a murder or a disappearance. And I got to look it up. I'm Lieutenant Alacrates. Uh... <laughs> I went from New York Italian like, oh, to just yeah. Italian Italian. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes. New York. Oh, yeah, New she York. doesn't live here anymore. We're getting ready to sell this place. And so he just stands in a room for a while and is like, huh, weird. I like the, the the real estate agent is like, well, it all happened very suddenly. And I'm like, yeah, that's for damn sure. I don't even know what happened. Like we were there and. Timetable yes. unclear in these last Do you know what happened, scenes. real estate man? Can you explain the scenes we just saw? Because I can't. 
Well, that's another thing about this movie is that I've never seen a movie that happens within like the short, such a short amount of time seem like it's taking weeks for things to happen. Like it feels like David Bowie is spent like 24 hours at the clinic and then suddenly he's dead. And then suddenly Susan Saran is there. Like how many, like how much time is happening between, because there's so much weird editing that you're not sure. And everything's so dreary. This movie, it couldn't have been more than like three days. Yeah. And, you know, we never really get that thing that I hear about called the establishing shot. No, no. Why, why would you, why would a movie be so silly as to establish? Well, I mean, unless like people smoking behind curtains is their establishing shot, which I think. Establishing the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> a shot. Okay. The 80s. People are smoking. In- interior. Yeah. The 80s. Night. Yeah. Curtains. <laughs> curtains. Mm. We're in a Berlin video. And, uh. <laughs> I like to think someone asked what was up with all the curtains. He said, "It's curtains for you," and then ran away. Oh, yeah, the whole thing was a plot for a terrible, terrible pun. Yeah. And the end of this. I, my note literally just says, "I am so confused." All in capitals. So double underlined. Something yeah. to <laughs> note about why this Why is any of this? This <laughs> yeah. this ending was, or like the studio ordered them to add this ending and Susan Sarandon has been on record saying that she hates it and thinks it ruins the whole purpose of the movie. Well, we don't even know where they are. So Susan Susan Sarandon and Alice quote uh, or some blonde young looking person with her are on a balcony looking out on New York and there's a box with screaming and no. Susan they are Sar- looking at on what is very clearly a screen of New York. Well, yeah, they're looking Susan's, at a matte painting. This is straight up looks like the backgrounds from the room kind of like matte painting. Off panel, off screen, Susan Sarandon has decided that she no longer wants to kill herself rather than live uh, an immortal life that requires her to kill and would instead decide that she actually does want to be vampire queen after all. Yeah, either that or they're in heaven. Which is a New York high rise? Actually, that does sound like my idea of heaven, to be fair. (laughs) Well, there's (laughs) there's a line that Lieutenant Allegretta says earlier, where, like, New York doesn't seem like heaven, except for days like this. And then she's, like, fucking pruning lilies in her her arboretum. Yeah, but that would imply that there's some kind of foreshadowing in this movie. Uh, And that would imply plot. I mean... I mean, that does imply this is pretty much the same weird city building afterlife from arrow and i like the idea of the hunger taking place in the Arrowverse. yeah i mean or like <laughs> it's like the it's like purgatory i don't know i mean i, I can imagine like a, a purgatory being new york-esque certainly plenty of people there um and but the curtains are billowing yes and that's what we know wherever they go the curtains doesn't affect their hair but that breeze certainly sure doesn't which makes me wonder are these cgi bellowing like curtains no i know it didn't exist back then did they invent cgi to master the the curtain technology this movie required remember in the 80s when everything was made out of hairspray (laughs) that's what's going on is the hair is fucking lacquered those curtains a hundred percent hairspray and asbestos no, the curtains are well. The curtains have like you know, they're they have conditioner. Everybody's hair is lacquered. Um, so that that was the hunger, part one of, of one. 
the second part look look, uh editors out there watch for our hunger wolf of wall street crossover pitch sequel (laughs) Um, we can bring willem dafoe back reprising his role as a youth in phone book i'm gonna fucking i'll draw the shit out of that he wouldn't be youth in phone booth anymore he's second elder in phone booth now yeah he's the like elder vampire can, the same can we track the same down thing. the other non-willem defoe guy who was apparently <laughs> john pankow who's never heard of him i don't know sounds like it looks like he did a lot more broadway than oh nope he played he was on mad about you that's what he would be most known for <laughs> so we can bring Fucking in paul riser yeah <laughs> Well, Paul Reiser is the, like the nucleus of all of this. So, uh, and that's the hunger. <laughs> it's a movie. It is a sequence of images projected on a screen. Yeah. Um, Nobody ever says vampire. Um, they just go walking around during the day. Um, they don't seem to have ever heard of vampires or vampire lore. Um, it's wild. This movie is is so weird. Um, I, I do admire that David Bowie apparently learned to play the cello for this movie um, and you know also so that he could get his voice suitably gruff to be an old man just decided to uh, go out to the George Washington Bridge every night and scream all the punk songs he knew so that his voice would be hoarse can you imagine being like witnessing that <laughs> can you Im- across the george washington bridge and fucking david bowie is there just screaming i don't i can't even think what song he would be screaming at the top fucking, of his lungs like like god save the queen or whatever like i <laughs> fucking like this the punk version um can you imagine though like just walking like you're walking your dog and you know fucking eyes can be so cruel and then like fucking david bowie's out there and I would think that I was like dead, like not hallucinating, just dead. I'm like, I fucking fell off this bridge and died. And uh, an angel came and it's and fucking David Bowie. Like I would have had an out of body experience if I was like, David Bowie's screaming. Is that David Bowie? Is he screaming at night? Is he screaming sex pistols at night? That would be great. Like, I want to know, like if you're, if okay, Twitter, if you're hearing this, if someone saw that out there, fucking tell us, please. I want to know. If anybody saw David Bowie screaming on that bridge. Anyway. If anyone happens to remember a filming going on circa 1982 can fill us and also listens to this podcast. Remember in the 80s when you go out onto the bridge and David Bowie would be screaming Sex Pistols? Yeah, so I think, you know, we'd be talking about the, the questions of like LGBTQ themes and stuff. And I think it's pretty clear that the powers that be kind of like kept this from being as, as queer as it was supposed to be and as much about addiction as I guess it was supposed to be because you know that I feel like that's supposed to be like the big culmination is like oh well she decides that rather than you know being addicted to this woman and, and having to you know do all of this forever that she'd rather just go ahead and kill herself but then that's not what happens it gets eroded and the I will say this for the movie in terms of queerness, mostly just because we have the helpful contrast of having just watched Black Swan. Uh, That was a movie where this lesbian sex scene happened and it did not feel like that made the character queer. 
it felt like a queer sex scene with no queerness involved. Susan Sarandon, like, you know, uh, Miriam, obviously, and also Sarah, very much read as queer characters. Like, they are 100% definitely queer in sexuality, and that reads in a way where it felt so inconsequential in Black Swan. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Susan Sarandon is actually, like, you know, interested vampire. I mean, yeah, like, there's there's actual, it's not like a hallucination. Like, it's, you know, there's, there is a pretense of relationship, which ends up being, you know, vampire, which. Yeah, she doesn't realize she's in a vampire movie. She thinks she's in, like, a coming out queer, like, romance, feel like queer romance film that does great at the, on the indie film festival circuit. yeah. Um, and the whole scene with the the um, the love song, the uh, like the sapphic love song that um, Miriam is playing on the piano, and she's like, "It sounds like a love song between two women." And then, "Are you making a pass at me?" Like, there's very little, especially for the time. There's very very little to do about that. It's just like, "Oh, okay, sexy times now." Like, okay, we're we're on the same page. Um, uh, it it feels like that scene is is like progressive and queer like very suddenly susan sarandon has a a change where you know she takes off i guess her overshirt and suddenly she's like uh she's into it um but like the movie seems to want to like deny that it happened and that she was into it almost immediately (laughs) yeah the the movie is like oh yeah she's really into it and it's it's great and we're gonna have a whole montage and then immediately afterwards she's like ah i uh um i don't know i guess she bit me i don't know what happened our blood's fighting now <laughs> well to me i thought every... i read that not as her denying more just being like what no i'm not gay like i didn't have gay vampire sex you're crazy i like i'm i'm still totally straight what <laughs> yeah but it, it, uh... every time we see her on screen with her boyfriend she just it's just awkward yeah. Like when, yeah. when he leans over to give her a kiss, when he brings the Big Macs in, she like pushes him away. The whole thing through it, I don't understand their relationship. Their relationship makes no sense to me. Her and Miriam made sense. Yeah. It only, um, apart m- from the whole blood sucking. Her part. relationship <laughs> with Tom only makes sense if compulsive heterosexuality. Yeah. It's actually very like Jennifer's body in that, like, the relationship between Chip and Edie, you're like, that doesn't. That doesn't yeah, like, that doesn't fine. really work. And then the me like the moment that Jennifer and Needy are on screen together, you're like, oh no, definitely. Yep. That's yeah. the relationship. They have chemistry. And that's definitely the case with Susan Sarandon and and uh, Catherine Deneuve in this. Like they clearly have chemistry. Uh, Sarah and Tom, like, not at all. Yeah. Again, if you wanted this movie to be kind of straight, why not let David Bowie be sexy and seductive as hell? What this movie skimping on sexy Bowie is it's forever. It's greatest crime. Yeah, I was I I remember being so excited for this movie, watching it. And then when David Bowie like fucking ollied out like early on, I'm thinking, what the fuck? You know, like you have David Bowie in a movie, like even even if it's not a good movie, he's still there. It feels like it it puts on like it's lowest plunging neckline it's tightest pants it's sexiest heels and then it just falls down the stairs yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow that's an incredible metaphor for this whole movie yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> That's my review right there. Yeah. Uh, this movie is dressed to the nines and can't walk a step. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, now that we've talked about the LGBTQ representation in here, uh, do we think this movie's feminist, guys? Uh, um, the lady has nipples, a science job. The, the nipples, I think, have more motivation than like the, the characters themselves i mean no no there's some there's some like susan sarandon uh, is it feminist no it's it's gazy as hell but like susan sarandon also there's not much in the way of like character building like you know at all with anybody really so Look, she has curtains. to deal with the patriarchy that won't give her the proper funding to torture all the monkeys yeah there is a bit regarding the like the lesbian sex scene and stuff there's a bit where um uh miriam says put your faith in me but because of her accent it sounds like she says put your face in me (laughs) yes which Which i'm like that's okay but then i looked at the subtitles and i was like oh and also they didn't actually show that um and there's uh, a lot between Miriam and Sarah, that feels kind of Hannibal and well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, more like, more fleshed out and better written and much more of a slow burn. Yeah. And yeah, there's like Hannibal and Will are characters with like personalities and stuff. And yes. like, look, Susan, Susan Sarandon, Sarandon absolutely has a personality. Have you not seen how excited she is to torture those monkeys for science? Um, I mean, she i don't know like i think she's even confused a little bit as to why she's there i think everybody there in that in that fucking, she in seems that to slap on work a lot they also like the most that they get interested in that uh study is when they're like super mad at the monkey for killing the other monkey and i'm like you guys were fucking torturing the monkeys yeah. like of course the why are you getting mad at the monkeys <laughs> anyway yeah I don't know, like, I feel like it makes some feminist faints, but it, it's very, it's very gazy. And the women are very poorly constructed as characters. Now, I mean, you know, it does certainly uh, pass the Bechdel test. They never, they never mentioned David Bowie again after he <laughs> dies. Nope. After he goes to Switzerland. After he goes to Switzerland. He goes, She yeah. never even questions that shit. She's like, oh, Switzerland, huh? Oh, well. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's rough. Um, I kind of got the impression that it thinks it's feminist, but it's not. There are bits where it kind of does this. Oh, look, we've empowered these women because they're embracing their true selves. No, just, and it just, I kind of, it feels like it's trying to do something, and it just fails miserably. Isn't it? Um, it's certainly it's nothing that, that we'll have a repeat of in Top Gun where he hits on the woman who turns out to be in charge of him and is uh, abruptly uh, yelled at and put in his place and then they end up sleeping together like 10 minutes later anyway. Yeah. Because that always happens. <laughs> there's, uh, there's so many romance plots I just look and go like, oh, that was, uh, that was harassment. That was bad. <laughs> And, that, and that's not even getting to the full-on assault that we get from the old James Bond films. Yeah. Um, this, do you guys feel like this movie has interesting things to say about race? Interesting? No. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I again, I want to see the story of the French ancient Egypt. Yeah. But aside from that. Yeah, I mean, we've no, only got I mean, two, like, 
real characters of color in this whole thing. One is just billed as Egyptian slave who is just there to get eaten. And the other guy is a scientist who has some bomb ass glasses, but that's all he's really got yeah. going for him. I mean, he gets to say some absolutely nonsense science fiction <laughs> gobbly bloop about blood and stronger blood. And they're and duking also- it out in the blood battles. Other than the like the whole blood battle like conceit, which you know that's not his fault. He is very like matter of fact. Like everybody else is like, what if we could torture monkeys? Blah blah blah. And this guy's like, I'm doing science over here. Um, <laughs> I can't I can't promise anything because these assholes are torturing monkeys and we're looking at it. And you know, and also sleep has something to do with this, but I'm not quite sure. But you know you're this this fucking vampire lady comes in and he's like i i'll give you this i'm i'll talk to you straight i you know oh yeah he has not, that but he has other things like oh i'm studying about sleep and its effect on health and it's like could blood types dep- affect health he's like uh i guess if blood types affect sleep which is again the thing i'm studying and yeah. not that unrelated thing you're talking about <laughs> Yeah, all the shit that Susan Sarandon said on the TV, I'm tell I'm fucking debunking that. Let's go. That's very realistic that the lab's like spokesperson would go on TV just like giving like scientific American headlines like <laughs> fucking cl- clickbaity like, shit. Yeah, clickbaity shit. And then the actual science has been like, fuck look, look, that's what how we get the funding, but it's flagrantly wrong. Yeah. Where it's like, we found the God particle. What does that mean? It's just this random ass particle. We decided to call a God particle and then the media freaked the fuck out. So we never stopped. <laughs> I mean, it's cooler sounding than the Higgs boson. Although Higgs boson is pretty, pretty fucking cool. Yeah. But like calling something a God, anything like, you know, God boson, the God boson, the God boson. Sure. Um, um, I'm the God, God gender. It's just a shitload of like Higgs bosons. Where it's like, shit, it really was the Higgs bosons. They created everything. <laughs> Uh, now, the interesting thing to me is, you know, we would normally ask about mental health and, and physical disability <laughs> and stuff in this. And I feel like they really wanted to do something with addiction. And that was where they were going. And then it sounds like they got undercut by, you know, the, the people with the money um, and had to sort of rewrite the ending of this to where it doesn't actually make any difference. Yeah, um, this it definitely seems like this was a movie where they had to. Uh, kind of fight with the studio to get the themes across as much as even as much as they were able. Yeah. And and I, I can't imagine like, I mean, honestly, even without that ending, it's not like a doesn't really have anything real amazing to say about uh, about addiction. Yeah. I mean, this movie doesn't say a lot. <laughs> Just in general. Just in general. There's a very Other long, than... very stylish music video. Yeah. Curtains are neat. um look at the look at this hair uh you know lesbians lesbiesque 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 um yeah i think like it doesn't it says the word lesbian and then and And then it runs away from it screaming yeah or it's like lesbian (laughs) we're like elaborate on it and it's like no no (laughs) (laughs) fucking david lynch style um which also was done in Mulholland Drive so you know yeah um I I'm, I'm just gonna say I don't think this movie has anything to say about class class is a non-entity in this movie that is just like 
they just have a cool house in the middle of New York that you never even really get to see the outside of. It's soft core wealth porn. Yeah, <laughs> there is there is like you know a sort of class dynamic with the the lab, and that's it. Like you never that's... really see wealth penetration, but you get to see you get you get some wealth foreplay. Wealth you can see some wealth boobs. Um. <laughs> <laughs> really expensive nipples. <laughs> really expensive nipples and uh um doesn't have like a baseline or anything it's just classical music yeah um, and and also everybody in this movie is extremely thin um yeah cocaine thin um it's because of all the smoking that they do and yeah they get to eat once every seven days yeah you don't need food you've got cigarettes and flame hazards uh so guys would we recommend this movie for other people to watch (laughs) (laughs) you know if you you want if you're a big into goth and that subculture and it's kind of defining works or you really just like him slow and moody um i'd say that or it like it's a fair enough background movie if you want to put it on and like just kind of absorb some of the cinematography and that curtain choreography like while doing something i found but like curtain core it's yeah i can't i can't really recommend i wouldn't really recommend this one too highly i would totally recommend this movie to the right person you know like i would say um if you're if you're into vampires david bowie art movies and like not having a super high expectation of a story which is an art movie you know kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of art movies um go nuts have fun i would definitely recommend watching the first like 10 minutes of this movie like the first 10 minutes of this movie is rad as hell like watch that and that's all you really need like the rest of the movie isn't as cool but like you know watching the Bella Lugosi's dead and and you know Catherine Catherine Deneuve and David Bowie like nipples and weird monkey battle <laughs> like a fan of nipples and curtains if you're a fan of nipples <laughs> and curtains people smoking in silhouette you know have at it what do you think Sarah um I think if you're a person who doesn't like horror movies but you do like really pretty things then this is definitely a film that you could watch um it is beautiful like aesthetically it's a really nice movie but maybe just put it on in the background while you're doing something else and just kind of glance up occasionally and go, oh, nipples. Um, it, yeah, I can't, I can't in all conscience go, yes, you definitely need to sit down and watch this movie. To be fair, anyone that's made it this far without having stopped and watched it to see what the hell it is that we're talking about has done pretty well because we all just sound like we're having slight breakdowns. <laughs> Like I've never said the word nipples so much in three hours in or my life. Or piss mummies. It's been an experience. Or piss mummies. Yeah. Yeah. I think all about beef curtains. <laughs> I have said beef curtains. Beef curtains. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it is undeniably beautiful. Like it is the people in it are beautiful. The there's some there's some really nice curtains. <laughs> some beautiful curtains. Um, you know. I feel like they might have just redecorated the same 10 feet of set over and over and over again for every setting. Um, it's not it's not a great movie. It doesn't have a lot going for it story-wise. It is certainly not like what I feel like every uh, description of it promised. 
um, you know, it, it really, I, I feel like that, that analogy they're saying about like just getting dressed up in its, its sexiest outfit and then falling down the stairs is really like the deal <laughs> with this movie. It's, it's not what you hope it will be. Um, you know, it is, it's pretty to look at, but that's all I'd really recommend if, it for. If you hear what this movie is on paper and are excited about what it could be based on that description, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah sorry yeah in fact go just you know what what you do is you turn on the movie for like the first 10 minutes then mute it and then play the rest of like masks or whatever flat field whatever the fucking album Bauhaus album is and then like play it and, and have the movie happening in the background and there you go and then maybe like smoke some weed and and like get into some cool like goth corsets and stuff or just have them out next to you <laughs> so you can like get in the mood um and then like turn off all the lights and light some candles and start like dancing like you're swimming sounds great there you go that's what i would recommend yeah all right uh speaking of recommending uh if somebody watches this movie and they're i don't know they want something better they want something different something related uh what do we recommend sarah do you have any recommendations for people um i mean like if you enjoy this movie i'd recommend therapy um <laughs> <laughs> no is that not the right answer i'm just really surprised that nobody's made that joke yet that's really good, good. <laughs> like about any other um, movies that we've seen right i just i i would struggle because this isn't my kind of movie i mean if you want pretty sexy vampires why aren't you watching interview with a vampire which has the prettiest sexiest vampires um and if you want something that's weird and a bit trippy, maybe go and watch Blue Velvet instead because that's going to confuse the shit out of you. Um, yeah. There's a particular vampire movie that I think kind of tried to have the mood of this movie, but I think pulled it off a lot better. And that's why my recommendation would be uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. Yeah. With Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton. I mean, that movie does not like that movie is also it doesn't fall down the stairs but it doesn't step it just stands there <laughs> yeah <laughs> gets dressed up and just stands at the top of the stairs huh yeah and are you gonna yeah. do anything again more of that like a lot of that weird moody vibe but i think pulled off better than it was here yeah, yeah. and that's a is that jim jaramouche it is yeah that's jim yeah, jaramouche. A slightly slightly defter hand than uh at least young tony scott for sure um, I, I would argue probably Tony Scott, period. I would have loved to have seen the volleyball sequences that would have been in this movie post Top Gun. <laughs> the net, the net could have just billowed. Yeah, it's no the billowing net. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like, I don't know how many people have watched Domino, but like the, the Kira Knightley, uh, you know, criminal movie but like he directed that in 2006 it was, it was one of the last handful of movies he directed or i guess 2005 uh it's not great and it's about the same as this like it's just it's you know nipples and guns instead of nipples and curtains um <laughs> it's you know he he didn't i don't feel like he really aged up a great deal i, I think he's generally better when he has a male protagonist um namely Denzel. Denzel is like the main character in several of his movies, um, including, you know, Taking of One Pel Pelham 123 and Man on Fire uh, are you know, slightly better movies. 
Um, but yeah, it's this this is not great. So I, I think if you're gonna check stuff out, there's not a lot of Tony Scott movies I would recommend. Um, I would if if you want something that has some of what you're looking for here. If you looked at the description and watched this, I would say you know Bit, which we've talked about, uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which we talked about, um, Interview with a Vampire, which Sarah mentioned, uh, Let the Right One In which is uh, thankfully not uh, trying as hard to be sexy as this one because the characters are young, um, but has that same sort of addiction relationships vampire thing that this one is trying for. Um, what I would recommend is that you go m watch more movies that have Susan Sarandon and David Bowie in them. Um, obviously, there's Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, and uh, Yes. And uh, so someday we'll talk about Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show on here. Um, and uh, Thelma and Louise um, as well and then if you're looking for something with Bowie in it you can't go wrong with Labyrinth um, if you're looking for something weirder uh, then go with Last Temptation of Christ um, that's a that's a Sorry. real weird movie Willem Dafoe yeah. as Jesus and yeah. fucks <laughs> Willem Dafoe is the Jesus <laughs> fucks um, <laughs> Uh, David Bowie isn't, um, he isn't in it for very long, but he does play pilot, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, speaking of Bowie, um, if you like this movie and you want to see more of David Bowie looking sexy and you don't really care about a movie being, ha having a story, uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth is very, very sexy David Bowie walking around and looking at things and maybe being an alien. And, um, and at the end, there's a scene where he like, shoots gun and and has sex and i think you see his dingling and that's cool um i mean I, that's I think. more the plot is parentheses unclear again <laughs> yeah no the plot is i mean so this movie is called the man who fell to earth and at the very beginning there's like a mannequin falling from the sky and you know that they took care of that it does what it says on the box um and then the rest of it is david bowie being like i'm an alien maybe i don't know it's a symbol i don't I'm gonna look over here and see some covered wagons. I don't know. This movie's fucking crazy. There's a cheese train. Um, I have seen it since I saw it in the goth bar, um, with you know actual sound on like multiple times. I still can't remember the sequence of that film because it's just so fucking weird. Um, he's also like David Bowie's also in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. Um, he sure is. Yeah, just for a second. Um, he appears again in uh, Twin Peaks, the the second the the final season, but he is uh, played by a teapot. So there's that. Um, in terms of vampires, you know, I near dark Lost Boys aesthetic ass vampire movies. Lost Boys has is fun. Um, Jeremy, I think you said Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, if I I'm in a third interview with the vampire um you know this vamp and and first bitten are just fun like weird 80s vampire movies i don't know if i would recommend vampires kiss but it is very weird and f fun <laughs> um and and also unsettling but if you're looking for a film that is also based on the work of ritley streber and is fucking bananas it's like this movie on speed i would recommend communion starring christopher walken and that movie we gotta talk about it sometime 
I mean, if you just watch clips of that movie, it'll sell you because like he's like in a sauna with a bunch of aliens and there's like a robot flying around and he's like dancing and shit. It's always not a true story too. Yeah. <laughs> According to Whitley Streamer. Yeah, I mean, the, I don't know what, I haven't read this book that he's written that is very famous in the UFO community, but I will say that um, uh, if if this movie is has anything to do with the book, that book is also worth reading because it's just bananas. I don't know where the flying robots, like the toy robot comes in. Maybe it's a hallucination. I don't know. But anyway, Whitley Strieber, mwah, best wishes. All right. Now uh, let's wrap this up. Sarah, can you let people know where they can find you online? Uh, yeah. My social media handle is always I am giant woman. You can find me all over the place. Just generally. Nice. And uh, Emily, where can people find you online? Uh, generally known as Megamoth um mega underscore moth on instagram mega moth elsewhere uh twitter tumblr the patreon um and megamoth.net um i'm i'm sad that i missed out on the giant woman name because that's fucking just fantastic <laughs> is it the giant woman or a giant woman it is i am giant woman i um, am giant woman thank you i i um it was my original Twitter handle back in the day and then I changed it to something else for several years and then that just like had really bad connotations for me. So I'm like, do you know what? I'm just going to reclaim my use. It's not yes. my use, but I'm going to claim it's my use. And yeah, so I changed it back and it's really confused the shit out of people because they're <laughs> like, who the, hell, who the hell is this person? Wait, it's you? What? Huh? So yeah, I am giant. Um, nice. All and, my um, Steven Universe dreams have come true. And uh, Ben, where can people find you online? You can find me at on Twitter at, at BenTheCon. Links to my past comics, Shaman, Heavenly Blues, Griffin on BenConComics.com. Uh, Renegade Rule out in stores now. So check that out. Yes, absolutely. Yes. If you haven't checked out Renegade Rule already, uh, uh, we did a whole uh, interview discussion about it. So definitely check that out and check the book out. Um, as for me, I am on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. It's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. Uh, I am at jeremywhitley.com. And uh, right now you can pre-order the second book of my series, School for Extraterrestrial Girls, which I do with Jamie Noguchi, uh, which will be out uh, shortly. We're going to do a preview for it for Free Comic Book Day, and then the whole book should be out in uh, September or October. Um, and uh, that's that's the, the best thing to check out for me right now uh, there will be more coming soon um and then as far as the podcast progressively horrified is on patreon at patreon.com slash progressively horrified on twitter at prog horror pod our website is progressively horrified.transistor.fm and please make sure wherever you're listening to this to subscribe rate and review so we can help other people find this and uh, get more people interested in listening to the podcast um I do want to thank Sarah so much for taking the time to, to come hang out with us. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so to, much. To, to watch a horror movie. I've, I'm so terrible at watching scary movies. I just, I can't do it. I'm a massive wimp. So thank you for picking a movie that didn't stop me from sleeping. <laughs> if anything, this movie might help put you to sleep. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at least it's, you know, it's it's very instructive about sex eds. <laughs> you can you can learn how to lay lay nearby another person and throb <laughs> together. How to how to vibe? Yes. <laughs> sex via vibing. Um, and and thank you, Emily and Ben, all, as always, for joining us. 
And uh, thank you to everybody out there listening. We really appreciate your support. We will see you next week. And in the meantime, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified was created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Sarah Miles. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com.